This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaker. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute... Something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, boy, wonder I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gato, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. It's okay to fear It's okay when you feel small And you're okay right here And it's okay when you feel nothing at all And it's okay to find out What you thought you had and what you got And it's okay to doubt To learn what you think and what you thought And we are always in motion Like the winds and tides of ocean And every day I'm born again I wake up, I feel that second wind We're gonna be alright, we're gonna be alright I see the look in your eye We're gonna be alright I said we're gonna be alright, we're gonna be alright Stick a look at the sky We're gonna be alright Oh, it's okay to grieve It's okay to learn Salwete movie nomad asks Stella at podcast back from the Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast, episode 225 for September MMXXII. Backworld the Oracle is brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out MileHighComics.com. Well, my next guest, which I had no plans to have this person on my show because he disavowed it. He said once he hit this particular issue number, he was done with Batgirl Oracle. And I had been updating him and letting him know, hey, I'm finally getting to this section of Nightwing and Batgirl that you told me about. And then he invited himself on the show. So, yes, this guy, I love him and despise him in equal measure. He is my chief hypocrisy correspondent. 
and Patrick Whisperer. So welcome or don't welcome to the show, Donovan Morgan Grant. How dare you? Uh, Chief hypocrisy. I was going to come at that with you tonight. So you, uh, you've already trampled my thumb. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, this guy, yeah, he said would it be gauche if I invited myself on the show. And at first you said some weird word. I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. But yes, we're doing it. We're doing it because... He told me about this. He was waiting for it and he wanted to come on. So even though, as I said, he's basically thrown back all the Oracle aside, doesn't listen to the show, doesn't care about Cass anymore. Here he is. So he'll listen to himself anyways. But yeah. So many words in my mouth that I'm choking. (laughs) I'm sure you are. What's uh, life been like for you? Well, it's been quite an interesting year. We last saw each other in person. We last touched each other in person mm-hmm. back in April when we went to New With York. Consent, of course. Yes. And I'm getting ready to go to New York again, New York Comic Con for the first time in October. In between that, you were on not our last episode, but a recent episode of Questions We Don't Have Answers, talking about comfort media, um, in which I learned quite a lot. And in between all that, I've been doing more DC work. This past weekend was Batman Day. Uh, so if you go to DC.com, you can see my articles on Nightfall as a weekend binge suggestion and talking about the fight between Batman and Superman in The Dark Knight Returns. So I think that's all the um, the safe for work content that you can uh, check out in between my appearances on Background Oracle. Safe for work content. Yes, followers of both Donovan and me know that Donovan shares many of his his bodybuilding pictures on the social medias. And immediately, because they're thirst traps, in my opinion, I think they're Stella aimed thirst traps. Immediately, (laughs) I have to respond in some sort of inappropriate fashion. So, but I don't do that at work either, because that's not safe for work. I did actually, as a punishment for you, I had planned a pop quiz. Where I was going to put a diagram of the female reproductive system, and I was going to ask you to name as many parts as you could. (laughs) But I wondered if my video would have gotten flagged on YouTube, so I decided not to. So you dodged a bullet. What are you trying to prove by doing that? That you don't know where things are? Why would you imagine that I wouldn't? (laughs) I don't know. I just thought, you know what? I've talked about period. I went to high school. That's true. That's true. But even I, I will admit that I don't know where a lot of like the very specific things are. I could only give you broad, broad strokes of what things are. Careful. That sounds hypocritical. Maybe. We'll see what happens. This might be the number one hypocrisy episode. But I do. (laughs) (laughs) We'll, We'll see. We should have a little gauge at the end of hypocrisy. I have a racial question for you. So people who know me. Good way to start out. Yeah, I thought this would be a good little warm-up question, and it connects to one of my required or my where's your recommendations. When you read fiction, and fiction that might be more recent where you might not have an idea of what the story is, do you picture characters of your own race before the narration tells you what race they are? No. Because the majority of media features white characters, and if it's black characters, that's always front-loaded, and it's always of a certain story. It's it's really, 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 really rare 
to read a story where the character just happens to be non-white. And typically when it is a, a person of color, that's sort of like the point of the story more often than not. And so it's kind of like you can't at least at least in the stuff that I the things that I read, you can't do that. You can't really read a book and have zero expectation for the, the race of the person because it's always information that they're very from and even on writing i know that like that can be kind of tricky like how do you describe a character of a certain background without i I remember especially when i was um into my own fiction writing looking up a lot of online posts about ways in which you depict diversity that are not discriminatory or rely on old stereotypes like you don't compare someone's skin tone to food or you don't kind of like you know lean on exaggerated physical features and stuff but you don't have to like you know be mute to them either. Um, but I mean, like, I don't read fiction and end up surprised by someone's race typically, uh, because that's usually like like um, described right up front. Their main character, their supporting character. Then like, like I remember I was reading I was reading um, Stephen King's uh, I forget which which one it was, but one of his Hodges trilogy books, which involves like a private a, a private investigator, and he there's a scene where he was in interacting with um, a detective who he described as uh, I forget the character's name, but like he described him as one of the characters from the wire. And mm-hmm. I knew exactly who he was referring to. So like, you know uh, I mean, I think he said, Oh, he's, he's an older black guy, but like it helped me kind of zero in, but it's still like, you know, it's a way for you to kind of understand what that is without really like making a big deal about it. But at the same time, if, if, if it wasn't, if the character wasn't black, I don't think he would describe him as like you know a white character from the wire kind of thing. It's it's just. Have you read fiction where oh they're black and you don't know that till like after the book's over? I well I ask this because I've been reading this YA book and I I guess I generally assume I don't know if it's because of me but I just like go in thinking unless you tell me otherwise I'm assuming these characters are white and even though. I do have a non-white lead. I was unaware that she was non-white until later on. And there was there was one detail because she was talking about her brother who was homecoming king. And she said it was unusual for an Asian. Like he's attractive. He was an Asian homecoming queen, king that's saying something. And so I thought, okay, is he adopted? Is she also Asian? I don't know. And then later on, there was something like more than halfway through the book that, okay, so actually this lead character is she's Korean because there's this whole thing with her mom and something in the food court. But that was like, oh, wow, now I have to like rewrite my brain of how I was uh, envisioning this. And so I don't need necessarily, I don't know how you do it subtly like i guess what was what's the character's name molly did what was her last name parker i think oh. so yeah so there weren't any sort of hints leading up to that and i thought oh my gosh am i doing something very bad where i'm kind of assigning whiteness to these characters without knowing but i like when they give a descriptor of and and it's a ya romance so i would expect like the other character to be describing who she is but they never they never really did talk about her and so i had to figure it out later but i just wondered if that's is it because i'm white or do we just generally assume that characters are white until told otherwise have you heard a failing with our society have you heard uh have you heard people like opine Oh, you assumed this character was white, but they're actually not. Have you heard that as a as a thing to complain about? Because I feel that like the way that like media is, the way that things have been written, that's just how we were kind of naturally primed to read fiction, unless 
the story is about something else otherwise like i don't, I don't think that's something like oh no i'm racist because i thought they're white i like i don't that doesn't to me sound very believable to posit that as an element of discrimination as rather than just i don't know it's like um there's an old black exploitation movie it's like akbar the superman or something like that where a black family move in and like these white women are like oh well there's you know they say like they see like the husband and wife they're like, oh well there's the maid and there's the chauffeur and the guy's like you know oh no I, I i this is my house i own the house and then she's like no no you're the chauffeur and she's the maid and like she like, flips out like you know uh, you know okay it's like in the 70s it's, it's it's a racialized presumption but when someone says otherwise and you insist that can't be is that goes outside your expectations then it's racist yeah but i think that i, I think honestly because of like the context of media then presumption even if it's misinformed that's just kind of like like the, that's the that's the nuance. This is all about Batgirl, folks. That's that's part of the nuances of how this is, you know, uh, how we interact with race. And I think that like um, it doesn't do us good to presume the worst case scenario in every single instance. It does. It it, it does certainly helps to consider it. But I, I personally wouldn't imagine that to be um, like a sign of like white guilt or white fragility or what have you, just because somebody in a, in a book you're reading ends up not being white. And you weren't given any heads up for that because that's just, you know, that can just be part of a new way of storytelling that we are getting used to for the better. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully, I mean, a lot of these characters can be defined by the reader. So even if you can't tell their race, maybe someone can come in and assign their own race because it doesn't necessarily matter. Whereas there are some books that a race needs to be a certain way because the the storytelling is like such a fun age that, you know, the main character needed to be black in order for all the story points to work out. I feel like when I read Little Fires Everywhere, I uh-huh. never, I don't think there are any moments that we give a race to any of the characters and i i just assumed whiteness but when they assigned carrie washington it added a whole who does a wonderful job in that series but it added a whole new layer and depth to it that made it i think even richer uh so i think you have you know that that certain freedom as well but i think maybe i mean i'm hoping that it's yeah not racist but i think it might just come because because i'm white and when i read things i do like to find similarities between the characters or you know engage in that way and like oh yeah i can really see myself in her so it's easier to do that potentially just because oh yeah well maybe she's short and she has blonde hair you know just try to find something something like that in them but that's something that uh harry and i are actually uh, messaging about actually today in regards to a potential podcast episode like we were, and we like you know like like we were messaging like where it could go and what do we feel about it in regards to media race and media and there's this sort of false narrative that is a lot more combative in regards to like you know a diverse cast or diversity in genres that that those genres are unaccustomed to i don't want to say it's far or less of a deal but i think the deal is different than how some people are trying to describe it as and i think when we're kind of like in close proximity to, to certain arguments that can color our anticipation or even our concern over it when, when we might otherwise not be too concerned i don't know i mean like, you know race is always complex i think it's i think just understanding that basic fact can put a lot of um anxiety off of our shoulders and just seeking the best way to kind of go about things is healthy enough and just turns okay how, what's, the, what's the best way to approach this you know, if somebody has a problem with how some things are being perceived by some other people, 
you still you still work to work that out rather than try to kind of just freeze up at the notion of like, well, this might be a racist thing I'm thinking about. Because maybe it is. Maybe it is a racist thing, but you can still recognize that and move beyond that anyway. Yeah, which is why, why I wanted to ask you because I'm like, oh, wait, Molly is Korean. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. But I, I think this, you know, the current generations, the younger generations, younger than us, I think they have some privilege that maybe we didn't have because there are so many books coming out where their leads are people of color. Whereas with us, I think, you know, and I even think about all the literature that I've read <laughs> because of Royce Gilmore's and, you know, classic literature, like all those are very white leading white casts. And so, yeah, maybe I'm just conditioned to initially think like, well, this is probably unless I'm told otherwise, this character probably is white. Whereas now I think people can go and be like, I can just make this character who I want them to be. So, I mean, I remember Harry telling me that, like, because yes, he's a few years younger than us, he thought that the Green Lantern character was black because of Justice League. Doesn't eliminate. Like, he just imagined, oh, Green Lantern, Green Lantern, I heard of him as a comic character. That's the one on the cartoon, John Stewart. And so when the Ryan Reynolds movie came out, he was just confused. Yeah. And apparently, a lot of people his age were confused. And that's what diversity does is that, like, yeah. it normalizes diversity is, is a normalizing thing. And kind of going back on that, just kind of like, you know, adds more questions about the world than there really should be. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I'll talk about that book once we get get to it. Before we get into what we're doing today, do you have anything that's been bringing you joy recently? This is the Find Your Joy segment, a.k.a. Shags, Mac and Cheese, Comfort and Joy. Oh, yeah. I'm enjoying the Sandman Netflix show. Okay. I don't really, I don't binge it because I, fi- I find myself needed to be in kind of a mood to watch certain things. And it's not like Sam is a particularly like, like darker. I mean, it can't be dark. In fact, the last episode I watched was very dark. It is a consistently entertaining show. I'm really happy I'm watching it. I was never great about trying to read the comics. And it's a very acclaimed comic run. And what I, from what I understand, it's very, very close to the comics. Uh, with the game in, you know, front and center in terms of helming the show. So I'm very, I mean, I've enjoyed every episode. It's, it's, it's not been a beat missed. So that's really, in terms of new content. I mean, I've already told you that I've been like doing this big Spider-Man film rewatch for the purposes of a show that's don't shake your head for the purposes of a show that's that's uh, uh, being recorded this weekend uh, on Earth2.net. That's a bit of a preview. Um, it's not been super publicly announced, but I mean, like you know, it's not it's not really a secret anyway. And so that's been a very 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 uh, interesting experience after all this time to revisit some of these older films. Aside from that, um, just kind of keeping my eye on you know. At the gaming world, there's been a lot of news about Street Fighter Six, which is a franchise that's near and dear to my heart. So that's been interesting. But um, yeah, I would say that, like you know, to, to keep it brief, um, Sandman's a good show that I recommend. Unless, unless I mean, I've heard that like it sticks the landing throughout the end. So I, you know, unless it turns away, like, like I heard that's a solid show. Listen, it it can't possibly be Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> well, I think it can. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's on my list, but I have yet to get to it. You know, um, um, the person who played Grin on that show, I think they're they are um, either Destiny or Delirium in Sandman, like the like the like the non-binary, like the way that they did Grin in the live action copy view out show as like as like like the bartender character. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, Mason Alexander Park, I believe the person's name is. Uh, they showed up at the very end of this most recent episode. Like, oh, okay. there you go. And I know right. Brienne of Tarth is in it too. I'm a fan of hers. I assume I so. I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> She's very tall. I can't remember her actual. Oh, name. Chris... oh, Phasma. 
Yes, also known as Phasma. Yeah, she played uh, uh, Lucifer. Yes, yeah, I think yeah. So, so yeah, I, I will get to that. I've only read the first volume of that because I wanted to know what the hype was. Because non-comic fans will read that. We'll read Sandman. Yes. And that's kind of like the one thing that they might read, that or Watchmen. And so the fact that it is something that can bring non-comic readers into, I think is is pretty pretty good and profound. And yeah, we've been selling a lot of that at the, at the store, uh, the comics. Okay. Wow. Well, because it's Shag's Mac and Cheese and Comfort and Joy, just shout out to Shagalicious, whose birthday is coming up on the same day as Barbara Gordon's birthday, September 23rd. <laughs> They're probably How the ironic. How <laughs> ironic. <laughs> I am going to be visiting the Bamboozler, a.k.a. Harry Harold Harrison, the fish shoot soon to run a 5K. So we'll see who survives that experience. I'll be sure to tell you guys next episode. And yeah, I guess what I've been watching has been selling, (laughs) selling Sunset and selling the OC, which are ridiculous Oh, reality, reality TV, shows? yes, but it is these really glammed up, glitzy women selling real estate in Hollywood and then also the OC. But it's all about the drama and the drama gets out of control. So, oh my goodness. What was nice about it though, because this is something that I appreciated, is that everyone, you know, this is just this is different than the hospital experience I had where they talk about you behind your back, but everyone would actually come up to you in Selling Sunset and tell you to your face the problem that they had with you. So, I appreciated that because then you could just have it out and get over it or not get over it. So, anyways, if you're looking for drama, then be sure to watch that. And I did binge that. So, I think that might be a guilty pleasure because does it do anything to boost my character and my soul? No, but here we are. Okay, so we're going to get into it, folks. Now, this is a jammed packed episode and we are focusing on Batgirl, but there are a couple Nightwings that we also want to talk about and primarily 87, but 86 is the lead up and... I could have done 88 and 89, I think, too, because it kind of continues. But there is just there's a lot going on in this episode. So I you can we'll save it for next time. But just know that's like to be continued with a lot of stuff here. So Nightwing 86, October 2003. And then the publisher synopsis, cyberpunk street bikes and machine guns are just the beginning of Dick Grayson's troubles. The coming times will be the most definitive epoch in Dick Grayson's history since he donned the mantle of Nightwing. (laughs) So, okay, we're getting, we're (laughs) some big stuff happening there. So there are just some things that I want to talk about as, as I flip through here. First of all, and this is actually a point of contention, the fact that his arm is still bleeding from when he got shot and that, and this is a reason why Babs gets super upset because as you see, you've got this panel, which is really good. Like he comes in, he seems all cool as he's bleeding. You see her, you see this, which they didn't do a good job because the word bubble is over the wound. And you can tell that that is supposed to be the focus of it, that she's looking at that. And then she gets really upset. And then of course my, my favorite thing, Icicle Word Bubbles, where she tells Dick to actually <laughs> get in here. And she does threaten. She says, start thinking of one good reason why I shouldn't call your dad. So 
he he's on notice, as they say. And then I love this. I love this. This is so good. <laughs> and then, uh, even though we see Dad, actually, Babs calls up Alfred, and I love how Alfred is just his dry wit is is on display. And and then, of course, he lets lets Batman have it. But there was one. Let's see here. I shall be there presently and will find it in my heart to forgive you just this once. Should you find it necessary to render him unconscious? <laughs> oh, so basically saying, like, good luck with everything. And then talking about or to Batman that Dick is, you know, considering the war on crime, kind of the number one thing and not really his his health. And he says, where did you suppose he got such a thing? And maybe. Batman looks a little I don't know. But yeah, I know. If we continue. Yeah, so here we go. And then I love how Alfred actually stitches him up without anesthesia. And Alfred says, the first and second time a wound is closed, most certainly by the third time you've opened your stitches. However, one feels inclined to support your body's right to its outrage and discomfort. And Dick yells, Babs, he's torturing me on purpose. And she says, good. I hope it really, really hurts. <laughs> yeah. So this was this was actually a really fun issue in terms of the interactions between the Bat family. And then it just gets really almost uncomfortable. Dramatic. Like there, yeah. There are some fun things where he is solving all these America's most wanted cases and all of that. But he is and even Alfred knows my deepest condolences, Miss Gordon, and I do wish you the best of luck. But the fact that he is just doing all of this stuff, he tries to make something wireless for Babs. Why would you think that was a good idea when Barbara Gordon knows computers that you are the best person to figure that out? But he's just getting in the way. She knows where things are because it's obviously accessible for her and he's doing all of these things. And then he, as she will later say, invites Gordon over to the house. Yes, invites her father over to the house. Shows off his body basically in the set, not in a sexy way, but in a way of like, look at what I am able to do. And she takes that very negatively of like, you're doing this and I can't do that anymore. He also like mentions, remember when we fought the Joker? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I mentioned Yes. That. Yeah, right here, wasn't it? Yeah, remember that time Joker got into the, let's say, Sunbright Bakery and started shooting at us yeah. with flower cannons? Now that was a mess. And you can tell, oh man, that really hits a nerve. And he immediately says, Babs, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I said that. I'm just moron sometimes. My mouth moves faster than my brain. So yeah, foot and mouth. And then here's when we have this one of these. I, I wouldn't say it's a confrontation, but just like a let's be real sort of conversation. We have this in this issue, the next issue. I feel like it kind of continues. Uh, she says, it's not about Joker. You don't need to walk on eggshells. What's done is done. But that's exactly the problem, yeah. Dick, the past. I've never met anyone more present than you. Whatever you're doing, you're 100% there. Your focus is it's breathtaking. It always has been. But something happens to you when you're with me. You get lost in these yesterdays we shared. And God, you're beautiful. You have no idea. Just looking at you makes me happy. But I don't know if I can do this anymore. Yeah. Thoughts? Thoughts on this? I mean, do you think that the, is Dick stuck in the past, in particular when he's with her? Does it seem like it, it's been a consistent character flaw with him? Or do you think this is something that's been developing and in particular in this Devin Grayson era? Well, I think, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned her name because I think that this is very much Devin Grayson. She talks very openly about this back then and even now and even back when we inter- Josh and I interviewed her. She had a she had a lot of thoughts on Dick Grayson and just what drives him. 
like which I, I think is unique. I don't see a lot of other writers really perceiving Dick in the way that she does as somebody who is just so driven to help other people that he's sort of like burning himself at all as the candle, even at the best of times. Barbara recognizes that he's kind of flaming out like psychologically. And I, like, I really like the detail that she's not really upset because he mentioned the Joker. I mean, that's what it seems like, but she's like, no, it's not that it's just how you are. Like you're constantly and gleefully bringing up the past. You know, I can't, you know, you're, you're flipping around and she mentions this later on in the next issue or no, she was in this, in, yeah, on this page. And she's like, you know, like, like you're not really here with me now. Like, I, like I'm not what I used to be. And that's not like, you know, there's always a real tangible sense of self-pity with, with Oracle. But I think that like, this is a good storytelling beat for, for Dick, because like, if there is an argument against the Dick and Babs relationship, which is actually getting a lot of heat right now online, interestingly enough, it is that it's sort of a silver age, nostalgic sort of like wish fulfillment thing. And that doesn't, that has less of a modern utility to some perspectives than it might have once, you know, once a long time ago. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think that's, that's, that's a perfectly applicable perspective to have. And here she's saying, you know, you're so looking backwards that you're not seeing what's in front of you. You know, are you actually seeing me how I, how I am now? And look at what's, look at what's doing to you. Like it's, it's just, it's just driving her nuts. I think that's, that's a very psychologically rich way to approach these characters and i think that this is the part of of when i, I remember when i when i read this devin grayson run i thought you know what yes issue 93 is coming but up until that point i thought she was like the by far and away the best writer on nightwing's original series like even better than chuck dixon i really 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 love this stuff i'm also, what did you think oh yeah i i've been i mean as much as my heart aches to to have these characters go through this i like how they're being really real and i think grayson the writer is able to thread this like this didn't come out of nowhere. We've been seeing this develop. He's been waxing nostalgic pretty frequently throughout. And also she's just frustrated that he's not taking care of himself either, uh, which I think is, is another argument to be had too. I don't know if that's like limitations. He's, he's, like, acting, he's acting like Robin. I'm as sorry, he was remember. when he was Robin, you mean? Like really like um, flippant mm. and, like, like kind of the laughing daredevil carefree like 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 as nightwing he's a bit more mature he's a bit calmer i mean he still has that sort of like show off cool factor but here he's kind of like flying around like 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 an animal like like he's acting immature in in almost in almost a way that you can see him as robin but i interrupt you go ahead well i just wonder where that came from i wonder if there's this connection with joker's last laugh and and what he went through in there and and quote unquote killing the joker and then he was in this really dark level of despair and so maybe now is this way to if he acts that way maybe he doesn't have to think about it i don't know where exactly this is coming from why is he burning himself out and and doing all of this uh kind of stuff but uh it does seem like it might be a logical character development um but no i was just saying that he's not taking care of himself and i think she might resent that as well because you know her body she did the best she could to take care of it and and here's is how she is so I, I feel like, you know, Dick, you've got to take care of yourself and, and what you're doing. And also, it's hard to watch someone you love not take care of themselves and put themselves in these really terrible situations and not listen to you. So, yeah, yes, it, it no, it's been it's been interesting to watch this. I, I feel like 
maybe this is inevitable, but the fact that he was living with her for, I don't think they even got through a day, but he, and he was being super obnoxious that of course it happened. It came to a head at this point in time, but even though it says, you know, I I think maybe this is not going to work. We're still together because the next issue would kind of bring it up. So it's one of those really long breakups where people are there. We're talking about breaking up, but we're still together, which is also realistic. Spoilers. We do know that people go through that. Yes. Well, as much as you can get spoiled, I guess. Uh, Any other thoughts on this one? I guess. Yeah, that was it. My arm's not. Yeah. Oh, my arm's not what I'm worried about losing. Oh, it's so sad. So sad. And I, I remember when this when when these books were out. Oh yeah, I, I think it's just I think it's just top tier stuff. I really, I also I love Patrick Zercher's artwork on this. Like I think he was like the primary Devin Grayson Nightwing artist. I know later on you get into like um, other artists and stuff like that. But I, I love how Dickie Babs look adult. Mm-hmm. Like they're not just young. They look they look like grown adults yeah. like like adults. And even because even like in the New Teen Titans stuff, I think Dick was even kind of drawn a little too old. Just because of the way that the style was back then, but here they look so mature, but they're not like you know Bruce Wayne or or Diana Prince or any of that. So like, I just I just really it, this this feels real. This feels like no, it's just it's a writer's take on a random run. It feels like the actual hardcore canon of the characters that I really enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and for Alan, who's my chief hairstyle correspondent, pretty nice little. I mean, her hair is a bit up in the in the back there, but. I mean, she might have some shoulder length hair, but it's a nice little, it's a nice little look that she's rocking. But yeah, it's, it is interesting when you, I feel like relationships that we have, obviously we come in a certain person. And then if that relationship doesn't work out, I think we leave a certain, a certain way. And I think every, which is what I tell, you know, (laughs) you know, like Ellie or something that every relationship we have teaches us something about, you know, a a future relationship and it could be romantic. It could be a friend as well. And so the Barbara now that we're reading, I think is, is a far cry from when she first started dating Dick because she certainly was, I, I feel like she hated herself. She really, I think hadn't yet reconciled being in the chair fully. It was still something she was kind of working against. And now she's like moved past that she realizes like this is who i am now but to have someone constantly remind you of what it was and it's like going to pull her backwards and she's already moved forward so i can see where this is not necessarily a healthy thing for her to to be in again as much as it hurts my heart to say now we have 87 and i will say that i own this issue i don't know if i own it <laughs> but the fact is i think i've said this before but when i found out about dick and babs and you know some fanfics read those and i compiled a list of dick and babs heavy issues and just they were super random and out of context but i found them and was reading them and 87 is indeed one of the issues that i randomly have because it was the dick and babs centric now i feel awesome cover i know it does give you because i thought oh is this the issue it is not yet it is not but it it gives us enough of a hint of of what's going to happen so this is nightwing 87 november 2003 blockbuster turns up the heat in his personal war against nightwing but when danger strikes close to home will dick grayson's life ever be the same 
So we actually start off, like I said, I thought that was going to be the end of them, but here they are on some sort of date, I guess, to continue to have a discussion about it. Now, one thing I found interesting is just she is so adamant about fighting Tarantula on her own that she doesn't want Dick to get involved. And even, yeah, she says, damn it, Dick. And I wondered why, why she wants to do it on her own if it was just like her being stubborn. Or is it because she doesn't want his secret identity to come out? Do you have any thoughts on why she wants to fight Tarantula on her own and doesn't want Dick involved? I think it's multifaceted. I think she is still kind of worried about just like, because you know that he's not like, you know, doing great. So she's just worried for him. I, I, I think if this is like a random thing where like he was fine. And they were just out, and they were being attacked by a villain. I don't really see her being like, "No, Dick, don't do." It. Like, I don't think that that's like that's like normal. I don't think that's something that she would just like naturally do, because you know he's Nightwing. But because of you know because of how Dick's been lately, because he was recently hurt, because the Tarantula has attacked Oracle, and she can take care of herself. Because there's you know civilians later on, because of the whole identity thing, which she gets into later in the issue. I think that there's a number of a number of reasons that aren't immediately spelled out but you can kind of infer why she's like okay let me just take care of her and it's awesome because look at that look at that that's so cool <laughs> and i love how let church complains later on yeah tell me that she could do all that yes she sure does uh there are some more icicle bubbles if i can find them yeah no police it wasn't to dick this time but it was to a concierge at one point is compared to bat jerk which i thought was interesting next page was it this one? Oh yeah congratulations you managed to turn into bruce after all bum 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 that that is so unfair (laughs) what does that even mean man yeah oh gosh yeah so i'm very proud of what you've accomplished but does it have to come in the form of this messianic zealotry isn't one batman enough and then he punches the standing cardboard that, that's that's kind of a i think she was intentionally being mean there like that's not something that i don't think that's something that she would say that like he would like respond to like she knew that she, he was like she was trying to get his attention and like she knew that would really make him see red and she said it anyway <laughs> god i love that artwork but, yeah, um, but he baits her and says you know, as far as Boothaven's concerned, absolutely. And it'd be nice if that could buy me just a little bit of respect. It's not like the, he's being kind, necessarily. Like, they're having an argument. Oh, I know. But, like, um, I, I don't think that, like, Barb... Because, you know, for so long, Dick's had this this sort of, like, um albatross-like relationship. Like, as Nightwing, he's had a very, like, you know... I don't want to say toxic, and I don't, I don't know if I want to say that. Because prodigals happened. But, you know, he's had a, he's had a complicated relationship with Bruce. So I think like him trying his best and she's like you're tearing yourself down are you trying to be batman like that's the last thing he wants to hear that like you know one you're inadequate and two you're not you're not doing what's best for you you're you're trying to be somebody else like batman like that's a really that's that's a really like yeah that's 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 probably the one thing you can say to nightwing that would just just completely unnerve him and i don't think that she's saying that for any other point other than, than to like have him flare up and listen to her uh, but I, th- I, but I don't think that that's like you know a wholly calculated move because you know he's he'll be more inclined to probably not. Mm-hmm. Well, when in this one bubble he says the the haven is all on me, just me, and if it needs twenty four seven attention, then I'm the only one in position to know that that's my call to make. So he is saying Bruce like things. So I feel like it's not a leap, but I do understand that I, if she knew that that was a button to press and she did it intentionally, then that's wrong. 
But shouldn't that also be a concern? Like you don't want your loved one to turn into Bruce Wayne to, to Batman. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not suggesting that like she shouldn't have done that, but I'm not saying that like, you know, like it was like, you know, the nicest thing for her to do either. Is it, but that's, 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 that's what makes characters fun. They can be not nice. Yeah. It kind of reminds me, and this is a bit of a loaded point because I know you're going to react, but when uh, Batgirl 25, when to go off and fight Shiva, cast paralyzed Barbara. Oh my gosh. And you really took offense to that? <laughs> yes, um, I did. And I, and, I, and I said, that's, that's, that's a very cogent point. But Barbara was also like, hey, look at this, your origin story. Maybe you want to stop. I, th- I, think these, these, I think the Bat family, straight up, our favorite characters have a history of kind of throwing low blows at each other to like get them to listen to, to each other yeah because I, I, I that bit where like you know where um dick says oh tarantula you know she's she's reckless she doesn't know what super secret it is for and barbara's like do you and dick is like excuse me no excuse me what did you say like did you just ask if i know what secret it is for like he's like yeah. are you are you being for real and she's like are you because like you had like you know an action scene in public uh, with with the, with the vigilante, like you know, and that's kind of like which, which I think is I like that quite a bit because you know, consider their history. I mean, Dick was a crime fighter before she was, so he's that's also a bit of like you know, sort of a professional slight. He's like, oh, come on, who do you think you're talking to? But like, she's like, listen, man, you're like you're just like going going nuts and being very incredibly reckless. You know, you're getting shot all the time. I mean, it's weird because like I feel that like I'm I what I'm doing is trying to like explain both of their, their size. I feel like it's, it's very evident in the issue. And it's just a good job of two characters not communicating the best way, but also being very clear with, with what their own perspective is. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I'm going to f- defend my girl as much as possible, but <laughs> however yeah, much are. of, <laughs> how much of a low blow that was, I think you're right that you have to do, maybe you didn't say this because, I'm putting words in your mouth. But the fact that she has been pretty kindly and gently prodding him to pull back a bit and take care of himself and all. But after you are saying this multiple times and they're not listening, then you need to go to the extreme and be like, listen, do not be da da da. And then hopefully they'll they'll listen apart from their apart from their anger. But here again, don't you dare not one word about the past. Are you even listening to me? Yeah, I was even going to say that that. You know, that was the previous issue. She said, you're stuck in the past with me. And then this happens again. She does ask him, why do you love me? And then his explanation, Babs, you're stunning and you're brilliant. And you're probably the strongest person I know inside where it really counts. One look at you and my heart catches in my throat. My body flushes with heat. I've always loved you. All the best parts of my life. You were there. And I do anything to protect that, to protect that connection, to protect you. Any thoughts? Do you feel like that's a romantic overture? Well, I mean, you know, as the resident female of the podcast, <laughs> I feel that like you should probably answer that question first. No, no, I, I, I feel like he says all the right things there. And I mean, it comes from his heart and he didn't rush into it. I think that there was that delay and he did think about everything. But I do wonder about that, you know, all the best parts of my life, you were there. So there is that past. But so and, and, and are you oh yeah, I know. And are you able to separate that, you know, from the person? Like if you're having a fun time and that person's there, are you just going to assume that, oh, it must have been because you were there that, that I had this fun time? Or is it yeah? I like the fact that they are ostensibly out on a date mm-hmm. and they're normal civvies and they break up. It's not like how many times have we seen, depending on who the characters are, 
like on a rooftop and someone walks off and the person just like looks down at their shoes you know yeah. we're over or whatever where it's just like you know this is how it should be done Devin Grayson just just nails it like you know it's it's a regular breakup and the weirdness of it is tarantula staring at them way, I know. way far as the superhero super the comic book element of it but like yeah and to kind of answer your actual question like you know it's it is very romantic but he I don't even think that Dick personally is stuck on it. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think that Barbara sees that, like, oh, all he cares about is Batgirl. I don't think that's true. But he, but he can't help but kind of like reference it in a way that, like, is not doing anything, any, her, him any favors at that moment. So she's like, oh, he's still stuck on the past. This is not good for either of us. The, the smart thing to do is to break up. Do you because think, I, because yeah. if you imagine real quick, I'm, I keep on doing it. I'm sorry. But like, you know, when she was shot and she, and she, eventually became oracle he was with the titans so it's not like he was with her all the time in her adult life Mm -hmm. so it might that might even be hard for her to buy uh in that moment in time yeah do you think that she can can tarantula actually boast that she made oracle dump dick tarantula is kind of a she's not a very good person so i think (laughs) she's a witch with the bees is that what you're trying to say that is what i'm trying to say yeah I, th- I think Devin Grayson would not disagree with me. Uh, she's written very intentionally. Yeah, I, th- I think that like Tarantula is taking credit for something that like was sort of a happy accident in her favor. Like, like because like it's not manipulation; they're not being brainwashed. It's like I made her dump him. That's like you know, you know, that's 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 a lucky hand. That's not any active um, interference on her part. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then of course we have this end scene where suggestion is to make peace. Or or fight for it. So I guess we'll see what he ends up doing in the next couple oh, issues. But we yeah, will see about that. I know. Well, at least in modern comics, I can still have some Dick and Babs happening. So yeah, I think I think uh, as we record, believe Nightwing drops tomorrow. Am I right about that? I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure to read it. Okay. So now we're moving on to the main event. Batgirl 45 through 48, and fair warning, if any 10s out of 10s are given, someone will not <laughs> make it through the night. Someone will not. What about uh, the fact that she won the 2002 Wizard Fan Award for Best Heroine? Doesn't that count for any high grades? <laughs> I swear. If it's a 10 out of 10, someone will not make it through the night. I got yeah, I have your mom on speed dial. So Oh, don't do that. <laughs> Ma'am, could oh. you put yeah. Okay, so Donovan has I told him that if he's coming on that he needs to do the synopses for these, which has helped me out a great deal. Thank you, because I had lots of grad work to do. So please let us begin with Batgirl forty five. Batgirl forty five issue forty five, written by John Horrocks, art really Rick Leonardi and Jesse Delberdang, uh, an inker I've seen a lot in this era of DC Comics. Uh, so this issue sees Batgirl, Cassandra Kane, swing into a scene where a guy is throwing a car. He has superhuman strength. And while she, she knocks him out with a pressure point, the guy's girlfriend, who's also high on a similar joke the guy was taking, uh, looks at Batgirl's mask. Oh, your eyes, they're so cold and empty. No life, no love, no soul. And she could be high, but also, I mean, like, you know, this kind of like hurts Cassandra's feelings because even though she's wearing a soulless mask, you know, she wants, she doesn't know what that means, but she knows that it's another thing that she lacks that other people have. So we come back to the clock tower where she sneaks up on Oracle and says, Oracle, what is a soul? 
And Barbara's like, I that's a pretty heavy question. Let me get back to you. Uh, how was your vacation with Batman? <laughs> Fine. So they have one of their characteristic meal conversations, which is pretty traditional in this run. And Oracle says, you know, Bruce made me cry a lot when I was Batgirl. And that made me think of Stella. And so oh, well, Sandra. <laughs> I wonder why. Because he's a jerk. <laughs> yeah. And so Cassandra is like, um, and not in so many words, when, how was it like when you were Batgirl? And Oracle kind of describes, like, like what the takeaway from this description, and you know, there's so many things she could have said, but she kind of talks about how fabulous she was and how all the guys are crazy about her. And she gets into how Robin looked at her and her costume and such, even in ways that he wasn't aware of and how dazzling she was. And it's basically a very, a kind of a youthful nostalgia for being Batgirl. How full of life she was. And she shows Cassandra her old costume, the gray and yellow suit. It's supposed to be the, the black and yellow suit. Uh, which she apparently just kind of keeps in her closet, which we've seen other characters do before, like Tim and Dick. So she's like, all right, I have some work to do. So have fun with this. Uh, Cassandra goes back to her headquarters, her little bat cave, and she tackles Alfred because she's not really thought about who cleans her room up. And it's been Alfred. Alfred says, hey, don't be so hard on the master. He just worries about you. We all do. And she's like, yeah, well, uh, I'm just tired. So we cut to her workout sort of uh, computer area where she looks up images of Barbara as Batgirl. And she kind of zeroes in on how Batgirl looked. And as that scene closes up on the Batgirl insignia, the yellow bat, we smash cuts to Batgirl flying in the air. But it's a fusion of the original Batgirl's costume with Cassandra Kane in the cowl. And this is awesome. So Batgirl happens upon a mugging. She's about to take these guys out when she trips on the high heels of the yellow boots. She managed to take them down anyway. She swings across the city and finds a riot scene where Robin is trying to take control and saves him from some oncoming violence and lands on top of him. Tim is like, Batgirl, that's a nice costume. No way. Is that Barbara's old suit? Wow, I'm not complaining. It really suits. And then he's thankfully shut up by being knocked unconscious. Cass saves his butt, and when he comes to, he finds out that the, the people were, were rioting because they were uh, basically high on the new designer drug on the streets called Soul, which is the same drug that the people were on earlier in the issue. So Cass takes uh, a pill sample of that as Robin swings away, and she goes back to Oracle and apologizes that she got her suit roughed up. And Barbara says, you know, you can keep this if you want to. Uh, but Cass is like, no. And she says, well, I wish I could have seen what she looked like. You would have knocked him dead. And she says, hey, I've been thinking about what you asked about being having a soul or what is a soul. You know, at the end of the day, when you close the door and you're all alone, and you strip off your armor and lower your guard and feel, peel away the mask, when there's nobody watching, there's just you. That's it. That's a soul. But did Cassandra hear that? Who knows? Because she's fast asleep once again. And that is Batgirl 45. Thank you. Let us begin at the beginning with the cover. Oh, yes. Where a bit of a misleading cover because it does, in fact, show the black and yellow instead of the gray and yellow. But Cass in the classic Barbara Gordon Batgirl suit beating up a beating up a guy. And this style kind of painted style will repeat itself through, I think, all four of the issues that we do. But Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Thoughts on thoughts on this. Being up a guy with glasses. Oh, I, I love this cover. Oh, well, she, David Tain didn't try anything about that. Like, I lo- oh, this is this is an awesome cover. So, I mean, some of these covers are some of the best of the series. The colors really pop. 
Um, I like the color design of this suit. I wish it was more, I'm more attracted to darker colored Batgirl suit than the kind of the gray and blue. One. I mean, I like the gray and blue one, but I like, I just like the color combination of this. I almost wish that this cover artist did the interiors. Mm. No, this is, I mean, this is like a poster worthy cover. I mean, the cover, I will say, not to bury the lead, I would not give this issue a 10 out of 10, Thank but you. I would give this cover a 10 out of 10. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can see that as well. This the artist here reminds me of there's a Jinx World book called Pearl that I read. And that's by Brian Michael Bendis. But I can't remember who the artist is with him. But it kind of it feels the same. It'd be funny if it was was actually the the same. I feel like the black, the gray and yellow is my favorite. I think Don knows this, but I don't know that I've necessarily talked about it on the show very much. But this one, I think, suits Cass, if only because we're mm-hmm. used to her wearing black. So it's like a nice transitional piece, I think, for her to go from hers modern to traditional. But we're we've got that black connection there. So, so yeah, I agree with that. And then you have the, the circles in uh, behind her representing the, the pill, the drug soul, because there are the sad and then the happy sides, but they only show the, the sad side here. I am surprised that this is something that she's not uh, that Bab, sorry, Bab's such a thinker. It hasn't really considered, you know, what a soul is or hasn't, you know, doesn't necessarily have a ready answer or, you know, would think about it and then have a discussion. And then it takes the the whole issue for for that to to happen. Do you have any thought? Do you feel like I'm giving her too much credit that she's been thinking about what a soul is? I mean, Barbara's a pretty she, she keeps herself busy all the time, which isn't to suggest that she's not an intellectual person, but I'm not sure how philosophical Barbara would be if that would be closer to consideration of, of a soul or just is it epistemology or epistemology? That, that's it, about letters. Yeah, I thought that was wrong. Um, <laughs> just sort of kind of considering one's own existence. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure she has thoughts, but I don't know if that's something that she would have like studied. So it doesn't strike me as off that she didn't have a whole, you know, like, like um, here's my take ready to go <laughs> at a moment's notice. I just realized how long Cass's ears are in this issue. I, it, it's interesting because I did that special with Sam Heath on all those essays in politics in Gotham. And we did discuss religion or the lack thereof, because I think the idea was that if I'm correct, that essay was that media is basically the the religion for Gothamites because they're so tuned to that. And this is another example where we've got prime pickings to like have some sort of philosophical or religious theological discussion on a soul. And we don't necessarily get there, uh, though we do, which is something I have a problem with in a later issue. Uh, which we'll cover we have some religious imagery so i'm i'm i don't i guess people are scared to do it in comics to talk about it and maybe it's for the best that they don't because i think it often turns out as kind of the stereotypical christians are they're no good because they're just very hateful so i guess if maybe it's best we don't put them in there because that's what everyone thinks but yeah i think there was just a really good opportunity to have a discussion and, and we unfortunately didn't get there but i do like barbara's sort of stripped down version of who you are. This is what your soul is, which, you know, if Cass 
weren't sleeping would that would have been an interesting discussion because what what does Cass think her stripped down version is is her soul you know consistent is this is her idea of her soul tainted with what she did as a child has she ever gotten over that will she ever got get over that I mean I think that like she that's that's definitely her fear yeah and I, th- I think that like I mean as if, as far as, as I've ever seen when she's especially she's written correctly Barbara, uh, Cassandra has not really gotten past that guilt i think she's gotten past her death wish after issue 25 but the guilt is, has always been there now i don't know if it's hypocrisy but okay. what is <laughs> what's the difference between dick talking to barbara about the past and Cass talking to barbara about the past well because Cass wasn't there and she wasn't like you know you were so awesome weren't you that's why i love you now because of what you were like she's just like what was it like for you when you were back girl me the Batgirl now like that has a completely different mm. perspective that's not really like that has you know why would she get mad about that <laughs> so like uh just that yeah, well I don't you know, know. I, I, I'm just, it's more you know, is, yeah is Barbara having trouble with the past or yeah so she is just asking for from a perspective that is is completely third party and non-interested if I could remember the Amanda Bynes line and she's the man I would I would spit that out well I mean speaking as a completely objective third party outsider with absolutely no personal interest in the matter but yes i personally don't like her interpretation of what background was. i knew you wouldn't <laughs> i knew you wouldn't <laughs> like okay good, good damn I, well you would not <laughs> i feel like this has happened before quite recently where i'm reading this and i'm thinking this is not why she joined up. Didn't I just cover something where she's like, it was all about the thrills for me and having fun. Like that's well, not, you fun, that's, 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 that's fun, not but. like, that's not like what she says. I don't think that she's like describing like, you know, it was just me at a disco while dancing until I got shot. I, I think it's just, I think that this is a side of her that she is thinking about in the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a, this is an all encompassing. This is what it was like when I was back girl. She kind of just like in that moment, you know, it was really cool. And I think that that's true. I think that, like, it can be problematic in a way because you don't want... I think because, again, like, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before on, on Batgirl or Oracle that, like, a lot of the post-crisis sort of, like, reminiscing of Batgirl is very much comic book fanboys as writers writing their adolescent memories of Yvonne Craig and how that reflected upon their perception rather than her running for Congress and all that kind of stuff. You see him reflected. I'm not sure if that's precisely true of Dylan Horrocks. I don't really know him very well, but like I think that's the kind of the, the consistent through line. Yeah. That being said, I don't think that's that's. I don't think that we we can never have an issue of Barbara saying I was really sexy when I was Batgirl and that was cool. I don't think that that's that's. I don't think for an issue that's out of bounds, but I do understand that that's. I don't want to say more often than not, but often enough, sort of a crutch that writers go to because it's less of a character insight and more of a a writer fan insight. And and I also think know your audience on Barbara's part because that's not something that would necessarily interest Cass because you know that she's uncomfortable with, that, with objectification because that whole arc we dealt with. But I feel like there yeah. was something else that she could have connected with Cass on 
on being Batgirl. So that's I'm I'm surprised that you would lean into that. And of course it ties into, which I just thought was really gross, to be honest, Tim objectifying her and all this stuff and then well, Tim's horrifically out of character in this. I know he is horribly out of character. That's in this. what I thought. And then this scene here where she's like straddling him, I'm like, why are we doing this to these characters right now? And he says, Phew, like 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 he like has like oh a, a word balloon of relief. Gosh. Just like okay, I've I've read too many dojins to know what that means. Yes. I, I did think this was shocking that Cass wouldn't realize that it was Alfred, right? You know, I love that. <laughs> she just tackles him. She didn't see. She didn't look first. I was a bit surprised about that. I'm shocked okay. that Alfred has hair. He does He's have not a lot of this. hair. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he's trying something out of toupee or something like that. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Again, to the crux of this. Capital B, betrayal. I believe. Let's get to it. Betrayal. Okay. So Cass neither asked permission to take the costume, nor did she ask permission to wear it. Defend Cass right now. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Really? You knew this is going to happen when you came on here. Maybe I should have. Like, ah. I don't know. I mean, like if Barbara just like keeps the thing in a closet and like, oh, here you go. It's like, also like, shocking. Like, how 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 upset? I mean, yes, she's you know when she um, it was one thing for her. She, I, I will say this: it's interesting for her to like be upset at Helena Bertinelli wearing quite literally a completely different costume and calling herself Batgirl and be mad at that. But seeing the actual currently Batgirl literally wear her old suit and like, oh, I wish I, I wish I wish I would have seen you in that. Like that is an interesting sort of like um reverse reaction or opposite reaction I, th- I i think that barbara really likes cassandra as batgirl and i don't really see her like throwing a fit about this i mean i i, I think this issue she's like oh what she could have seen like she just she's not upset about it so i don't think that like i mean cassandra you know she lacks social cues so she could have said hey can i borrow this and she didn't but like <laughs> when you say this was a betrayal whatever <laughs> i don't care <laughs> Well, I think the fact that she allows Cass to have that moniker goes a long way. And so I think there are a lot of allowances that Barbara gives her and she has given Cass permission to to be backroll. So I still consider it a betrayal. But yes, we can also say that, you know, Cass is not 100% up on the social cues. But also, I thought it was very strange that it's in a shoebox in the closet. That seems odd. That is very odd. Like, like, there was an issue of Nightwing in the Chuck Dixon run where he kept, like, I think his Robin suit and, like, his first two Nightwing costumes on a hanger in the closet. And that's an artist detail. I don't think, I don't think that like the writer wrote that in there. I hope not, but that's still very bizarre. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I would agree that that's, that's weird, but I've seen that before. And these have different editors. I think that like, um, I, I, I believe without checking that the editor for a Batgirl in this era is different than the editor for Nightwing. Cause it could have helped a bit continuity with, with, with Oracle. I mean, we'll get mm-hmm. more as the issues go on, but I'll, I'll, I'll concur with you. I, I, I don't think it's a big deal that she's wearing the suit, but I, I do think it's odd that, um, Oracle is kind of like really careless with it. Yeah. And when I see someone put something in a shoebox and, and hide it in the closet, I, I think that, that it's like you're really trying to distance yourself from this part of yourself. I didn't know if I want to use a reflexive pronoun twice in one sentence, but I did. Mm-hmm. And we're compared to, you know, Bruce's memorials almost or those cases that he has with them, you know? Right. And, it's, and I, I've inconsistently seen the Batgirl suit in those. I actually don't like that because it's not like 
it's not the anime series. Like, like, uh, there's a reason why Jason's suit is there. Uh, I would rather, at least not as soon as on, on display, if they're going to have like a little uh, area for the suits, I would rather that not be out in the open alongside Jason's, you know, murdered costume. So um, when she says, I would like to keep it rather than give it and give it to Bruce's creepy museum, like that to me tracks. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that this is, I think, karma for the betrayal of taking a costume without asking is that her heel broke. So <laughs> she couldn't handle it. <laughs> to be that the weapons purse isn't on that. That would have been funny. Like, what's this? Asking. That would have been good. Question. What does Babs's costume do for Cass besides the obvious, of course? So if we skip away from this sort of sexual sexual weirdness that goes on here what do you think it does for her why why put it on and what does she get out of it you know i was actually thinking about that because i feel like it's it's i remember this issue as sort of just sort of like you know like like the the substance and this kind of like uh the pull quote of in this issue cassandra king wears the original background suit which is interesting enough but what's the point of it and what does that have to do with with you know the concept of soul i think when a woman is looking at her mask and you can't see anything, that's different than when somebody looks at you and you can see your facial expressions, but she's not used to, I mean, oftentimes she doesn't wear her mask, but like, you know, when typically not used to. Mm-hmm. And I think that like the way that like Barbara describes being Batgirl and how people react to her, it's something she wants to experience. Like maybe this is, you know, she kind of feels it's, it's, it's that kind of like characteristic, like, like subtle Batgirl series storytelling, but like she feels that like maybe this is shortening the distance between me and a soul by having be, being a little more visible and fighting crime. But it's a visibility that she's that she ends up not being comfortable with. And I think that like Rick Leonardi is an artist that I don't like as much as others. I don't dislike him. I actually like him and his DC work better than like his earlier Marvel work. Like I never really liked his Spider Man stuff because I know he did Spider Man 2099. It's good that like the artwork isn't gratuitous like i don't think that like like it's all that you know this is an ed bennis on birds of prey doing this which would have been unimaginable yeah there's only but, one um, butt shot right here sure and, and it's a butt. i well, speaking personally it's a butt shot i wouldn't have really thought about because like you know it's it's time for action it's not like the whole thing like there's other focuses in the panel but yeah sure it's an interesting commentary on people reacting like like people just reacting to that costume that image of batgirl and like She's hot. I mean, I think that's more. I, I remember talking about this before. That there's there is definitely like you know like Batgirl is a sexy hero that strikes a chord with some people. I don't know how it feels that this is a bit more meta than I think DC even itself was really being with the original Batgirl. And I'm not sure how. I felt I felt it to be a little confusing with the artwork, which doesn't really accentuate that. I get the point coming across, but it's a point that's a little obscured. So for what it does for Cassandra, I think I get it. You know, it's, it's her. Like, if I'm wearing a suit that's that's less ghastly, then maybe I will be seen differently, and I can find my soul that way. But in terms of like what the story is saying about that, it's a little obscure. I think is what I want to kind of come down on it. Well, it's very costume cutups. It's very that issue where oh yeah, you know Barbara in that issue leans into the fact that yeah they see her as a woman and so she and they underestimate her for that and so she's gonna do all these purposeful faux pas and get the guys kind of going gaga and even though Cass isn't purposely doing that the heel breaking and and all yeah it's it's really interesting I think part of it is obviously that reaction that the drugged out lady had towards her appearance and i also think that Cass does not have fun at this i i think there probably was a time that she had fun being back girl but she's been in a, a pretty 
as we'll see, it'll, it'll reach ahead, but it's been not the greatest of times for her. She in Tarakstan, that was not a good situation for her. And so I think maybe hearing Barbara speak so positively of her time and, and maybe her assuming that, well, one of those reasons she must've had a fun time is because of this costume that, oh, maybe I'll have fun and maybe it'll be a more positive experience as well. But she also doesn't like being objectified and that's not, you know, who she is. So she is just, yeah, someone in particular. I think that's it for me. Out of 10 broken heels, what would you give back roll 45? Unless you have anything else that you would like to say. I just think like, like I think the last thing I know is that like, it's a, it's a little annoying how Tim is written because you can have a, you can have the fact that like Tim finds her just naturally att- attractive or he sees her in a different way in that suit, but he's so like Daffy Duck, like like yeah 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 like about it that I, that's that's just not that's not Tim Drake at all. Like I can see that I can see it's being written where like you know he's like Cass, is that you? And then he just gets knocked out, and, and like you know he like it's just maybe like one of the comedy isn't it? Like he's like he, he can't shut up in this story. It's like this is just not. This is where I wish the editors were. You know, by this time Daniel Neal's off the book, so editorial consistency is lesser. That's that's really all I have to, the rest I have to say about it. Out, out of out of ten. Broken Broken heels. Yeah, there's a lot to really to actually criticize about this issue. I will be. uh, I'll throw my hands up and admit that. And and I think that like in the way it's trying to do, (laughs) there's quite a bit of fails on it. But I've always liked it, so it's tough for me to like you know wag my finger on it too much. I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten high heels because I because I really do enjoy (laughs) it despite everything else. Broken heels, you fool! I'm gonna give it (laughs) a six out of ten. Six out of ten, just because I didn't like how barbara portrays her or reminisces about her previous time as batgirl in my opinion Mm -hmm. i think if she were talking to dinah i will allow it but not i don't think Cass. i don't think that's going to strike a chord with her and not her daughter the betrayal yeah i know the betrayals that it hits me and you really you you really did like that I don't like people taking my things, you know, so why would she like that? But such a fangirl. I know. Okay. <laughs> well, let's move on to Batgirl 46. Here's some religious imagery. I think I have a question on this. Okay. And there's, I will I call my girl out about something in this issue, but luckily she does the right thing. But please go on. Batgirl 46, once again by Horrocks Leonardi and Delperdang. With an equally eye-catching poster. I actually think I might have this somewhere. They've got it at Comic-Con. It says, heaven nor hell. And we see, like, for those who are listening to the podcast, we were seeing an angelic, angel-winged, uh, white Batgirl costume in parallel to a more traditional Batgirl costume with horns, a trident, and a tail. And it's cool. This issue opens up with a drug deal and a girl trying to get um, a hit off the new drug, which is last issue sold. Uh, the guy says it's only 2000 bucks, and then Batgirl intervenes and beats the guy up. But then she sees a wall where you see spray painted The Lost Girl, which is the title of the issue. So Cassandra goes back to Oracle's clock tower and she sees Barbara crying on the windowsill, and the CW music plays. And Cassandra's like, What's wrong? And uh, I was like, nothing, I'm fine. And like, you know, there's tears on her face. She's, Something's happened to you, something bad. And Orca's like, what, what do you want? And so she kind of copied down what she saw on, on the graffiti wall. And we hear, oh, Cass, we really must teach you to read. <laughs> 
So uh, Oracle tells her that the Lost Girls, <laughs> rumor has it that they are led by Sunny Love, the former girlfriend of a gangster called Marty Switchblade Morse. Apparently, Sunny dumped her man and set him up on her own. Good luck. And so uh, Cass keeps on pressing, and Cassandra gets it in one. Nightwing. Something's happened with Nightwing. He's hurt you. Dick and I are finished. It's over. And I don't want to talk about it. Just go. Ooh, child. So uh, we cut to this Switchblade's uh, whereabouts where Batgirl's like threatening him. And he says, you know, Sonny don't want nothing to do with me no more. She's filling the other chick's heads with some man-hate garbage and busting on my market share. It's disgusting. It's disrespectful. Downright unnatural. So we learned that uh, this Sunny Love has uh, kind of cornered the market on the soul drug trade. And she's leading her uh, felonious feminists, shall we say, in terms of, you know, we shall take over Gotham once we have all control of all the uh, supplies of soul, which we're currently running out of, just when they discuss how they're going to get some more. One of her girls has like uh, telepathic powers and senses the arrival of the Batgirl. So Batgirl characteristically beats up all the uh, the armed women, including one with a machine gun, knocks her out like, like without even looking at her, which is based. And they're like, "Well, well, well, what do we have? One of Gotham's ubiquitous bat people, and what's your name, honey? Butch leather bat chick, bat fetish babe." And when Cassandra's is Batgirl, Batgirl can't argue with the tag like that, right, girls? But the creepy bondage face mask, hundred bucks is that was your boyfriend's idea. So she commands one of her uh, girls' faith to liberate her from the symbol of oppression, and Batgirl's mask disappears. Zoinks! And also, there's another um, henchwoman who can, has powers of super strength, which knocks Cass into the the vat of soul, which uh, some of the pills uh, she accidentally swallows. And so it's like, uh-oh, what's it going to do to her? And then we get um, the mushroom episode of Cowboy Bebop equivalency, because... <laughs> Pack your bags because Batgirl's about to go on a trip. And so she starts seeing her opponents as big-eyed anime characters and gets beaten up. And as she takes some kicks into the ribs, she sees Kevin Conroy, Batman the Batman, yelling at her in dialogue clearly written by Stella. That was pathetic. How could you let a kick like that get through? You're weak, Batgirl. You're turning soft. And so she sees visions of her daddies, Batman and David Kane. Uh, berate her lack of skills. And then the uh, the saintly vision oracle kind of rolls into frame. Oh, leave her alone. Can't you see what she really needs is love and affection? Poor little baby. Because they're just being tortured by the, the supporting characters of the Bat family. Um, she sees visions of Robin saying how uh, love and affection is right. You should have seen this girl in Bat's own costume. She was hot, dude. And then she sees Nightwing admonish her because she's a, a loser who can't read. And then Supergirl, Superboy shows up. Who needs to read with a body like that? What a piece of it. And then Batman threatens him. And Oracle says, all she needs is love. And Cassandra's just like freaking out. They like, leave me alone! And the villains are just watching this happen. It's like, what's, what's, what is this? What's going on? <laughs> Meanwhile, the radio receiver in Batgirl's cowl is uh, going off because Oracle's trying to reach her. And so she's like, okay, she needs help. So she runs down her closest companions. She signals Batman, who's in the middle of a, of a fight. And he says, uh, Batgirl's communicator is on, but she's not answering. He says, I'm a little bit busy. Uh, see if Robin's available. Robin is being tied up by Caraxis. I'm not positive who that, oh. what that's, what's going on there. It reminds because it, it, it happened with him and Caraxis at one point, but no, whatever. So he's tied up. He suggests Nightwing. Oracle's like, yeah, right. So eagle-eyed listeners, 
of Backdoor Oracle and Readers of Birds of Prey will remember that in the last storyline, or the most recent one, uh, Dinah Lance got her legs broken. So we cut to Dinah Lance, but still recovering with her legs and casts, who says, are you kidding? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and so there's this awesome two-panel shot of Barbara reaching for the mouse to collect Nightwing's uh, call number, and kind of like, like, like groaning as she does it, which is great. So, uh, Cassandra's still getting beaten up and she's being called a geek, and the hallucinations of the Bat family uh, still persist in torturing her, and they kind of fade off to a devil and angelic visions of herself, arguing that Batman just wants another soldier for his war. Oracle is trying to relive her her lost youth, um, but the angel Cassandra is like, no, she was she's a good person. You know, she must do what's right. She's good, and basically, it's, it's the idea that we're talking about. We're like, you know her self-image is so bifurcated that they're warring with each other. There's a blazing inferno of rage inside you, Cass. She calls herself Cass. You've been bottling up for years, terrified of letting it out. But you and I know there's no one else on Earth as much with as much right to feel angry. And so she goes berserk! And goes, ah! And attacks all of them. And we cut to Nightwing outside the warehouse on, on the top of the glass ceiling. He says, all right, Oracle, I'm here. Batgirl's here, but uh, I see her and everyone's unconscious. So she goes over there. Batgirl, are you okay? It's me, Nightwing. And Batgirl steps to, you, oh man! And just kicks him out of the window. <laughs> and Dick's like rubbing his face. What was that about? And that was Batgirl 46. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, we will get to that, of course. We will get to that. With this drug description, I wondered if you thought that it was particular to... Oh, oh, sorry. Actually, just to talk about this cover, I found it very interesting. We'll get into the religious imagery. But didn't she at one point wear white in the Gail Simone Volume 2 Birds of Prey? Or am I just confusing her with white canary? I think she that ever? was just White Canary, okay. who was not. I remember, I, remember, I remember at the time, people thought about it being Cassandra, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. The only other identity she had was Kasumi in the Justice League Elite run, which I read. And that's a totally different costume. So okay. I don't think that she's ever worn something like this. Okay. It is, yeah, pretty. It's a stark contrast, obviously. So very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So we talk about this soul here. Do you do you like the cover? I do like the cover. You don't think it's a, a betrayal? <laughs> Why would I think it's a betrayal? I don't know. I'm just trying to second guess you. Um, oh, I'll let uh, you know when it's. Oh, I like. I just noticed that the heaven and the hell have these little swoopy things, and one is the happy soul pill, and one is the sad soul pill. Oh, I, I didn't notice that either. Yeah. No, it's I, not necessarily a betrayal. I mean, once we get to my question, maybe I'll say it was, but. You know, to stop feeding betrayal. I already <laughs> look and see it everywhere. I don't need you to make me more paranoid than I already am. But anyways. On the vision in your head. Yes. Soul is described as feeding off of, it seems like, who you really are to your core, your nature. And that if if your good soul makes you feel like an angel, but if you're bad, either way, it's a, it's a hell of a trip. Do you feel like that's a pretty good or accurate description of all drugs or do you think that this is just a description of soul do you think i think you sound like an opera right now <laughs> um, an op- no i would <laughs> an oh. operative oh. Trying, trying to get me to incriminate myself I'm narking no i mean just like how drugs are portrayed in the media that's what i that's my only experience with it do you feel like 
I don't know, it heightens already who you are or could it have, could it be the opposite? I mean, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I think it's been described to me by somebody I trust that mm-hmm. when you're drunk and when you're drinking, you don't turn into somebody else. That's, that's really who you are without inhibitions. And, but I feel, I feel as though the, that drug, a narcotic actively alters your mind. Um, well, it's definitely narcotic. So, like, things like PCP and stuff can really just, like, mess you up. So, I don't know if that's, like, a, an easy one-way descriptor for all drugs. S- the drugs that can really kind of, like, reveal yourself. Because drugs turn into somebody very desperate for that kind of dopamine high. Mm-hmm. So, I don't really... I mean, this is a fictional drug, but I can, you know, it can have a lot of um, real-world applications. I couldn't say for certain because it kind of... De- I feel like it kind of depends on which one you're talking about. Like, I don't, I don't think heroin would do that. Or cocaine, because like cocaine is sort of like you know a stimulant. So I I don't I I don't know. Just wondered, yeah. And and as we see, you know, she's pretty she's pretty desperate for it. Yeah, I I've never been intoxicated, and so you know there are some friends of mine that would like to witness whatever that is, and I'm I'm convinced that I'll be a really mean person. They don't believe it. I'm just like I think I'll just be really belligerent. I'll start beating people up. I don't think you want to see it. They think I'm just, I'll be like Stella, but ratcheted up. So I'll just be laughing a lot. I don't know. I don't think we should find out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't think we should find out. I'm curious. As are many people for some reason, some sick reason. Okay. I will say this lack of reading, we know that it's going to reach yeah. some sort of yeah culmination, which turns out pretty bad and badly. Is it here? Oh, I will say, though, now that I'm taking some literacy courses in order to get my master's degree, that I now understand that, you know, reading is not biological. It does have to be taught. And even though she can speak, doesn't necessarily mean that she can read. So I'm learning so many things. So now if we do any sort of learning or teaching scenes in this issue, I can kind of critique it and be like, yeah, that makes sense. Or no, that doesn't make sense. Okay. Do you think that it is too intuitive of Cass to know that Nightwing is the issue here with the tearful Barbara? I mean, me personally, you know that I would immediately say, what did Batrick do this time? But no, her first inclination is in fact Nightwing. Do you think this seems realistic that she is that intuitive? Yeah, of course. I, 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 intuition is kind of like Cassandra's bread and brother. I mean, without actively being an empath, that was her training. Mm-hmm. And we can kind of get into that more uh, reminded detail on the next issue. But absolutely, no, I, I buy it totally. Just just knowing how how he makes her feel, I like that detail that she does click. Like, I like that she's not like you know, huh, what happened? Like, like like she figures that in one, which leads Barbara to react in the way she does. I, I really enjoy that. The this pill scene. I found a bit ridiculous, if only because I thought she's not in a drum barrel of water. She's of, you know, in pills. Did she really swallow these? Uh, are you okay with this that she swallowed some accidentally? I mean, it, it, it is one of those things where, where you have to like think, okay, how did she do that? But it's, it's not impossible for me. Yeah. If it was sort of like maybe in like unrefined silver, it was sort of a liquid form. I it would, oh it's uncut or it's pure like you know what will happen like that would be that would be they could have written it that way but it's, it's fine as is it's just you know they're like kind of little small gumballs she actually swallowed one I guess so she didn't she swallowed unfortunately probably more than one 
Yeah. Which I'm surprised that Odin is not an issue. Okay, so these hallucinations. So <laughs> I feel like, in my opinion, that she's already gone through moments of self-doubt. She's had dreams. She's had, I think, some more hallucinations. Did we need to do this again? If so, why is her character back here? I mean, she's not a subtle character. Her death wish was sort of resolved with the fight with Shiva, but like, you know, she goes on. She and Batman have kind of had have been having problems. You know, she's been experiencing attraction from men recently or boys. You know, there, there's plenty of insecurity she still has about her disability. And I think that like um, how she sees Oracle in this way, like, 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 like the kind of caricatures that they are, you know, the way the kind of the way that Oracle is kind of caricatured and the way that she sees in the way that she describes them. Oh, Batman just wants you to do this. Oracle just wants you to do that. I think is new to the book. Mm-hmm. So. When you say, oh, did we need it? I, 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 I think that's the wrong approach. It's not so much whether it's a question of need as it is a question of how would, how would, her, how would she react psychologically and, and emotionally? And what's really, you know, is there anything new underneath the surface that, that, we, need to be sh- that we should be informed of? And I feel that like it's, she's a very, very, like, you know, unpretentious character. So this is what's going to kind of kind of come up and kind of like you know, pull her apart, especially when it's not just Batman, Kane, and Oracle, but you know, Superboy and Robin right. as of recently, and Nightwing too. I think that 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 adds more detail and we kind of makes it harder with more characters than just two or three. And unfortunately, you know, the, there are some truths coming into these character caricatures as well. Like even though they're harassing her, I think there are deep down some truths that are coming out and that she probably does envision some of this that way, which is unfortunate because of my girl Babs, just that it seems so, you know, oh, poor baby, just love and affection. But she honestly is trying to, she is the softer side of this duo with, with between Babs and Bruce. But I guess Cass just doesn't want to be babied like that. There's one I love where Batman's like, this is all your fault. If you hadn't made her so soft with all the talk of holidays and boys and love, <laughs> like it made me laugh at like the idea that Batman would say that to Oracle. Like, like you told her about holidays. <laughs> like, like that just makes me laugh. Okay. Okay. So I do, I was getting a little upset at my girl here because I thought we're getting ridiculous. You're calling everyone, but Nightwing, you better call Nightwing. If you don't, then this is, <laughs> You're letting your personal issues encumber. Endanger the life your, of your board. Yes, correct. But luckily, she does, in fact. So I'm happy for that. The Okay, so here we go. Devil, angel, these manifestations. Do you think it is realistic that she would have such religious manifestations when I feel like she is unaware of such things? So where is this coming That's from? a good... That- that's a, that's actually a good observation. We know that Gail Simone, who's working at this point, I don't know when she would have done this, but she had an idea that Cassandra Kane would have fallen into, I believe it was Christian, the Christian religion, as sort of a fascination point, and the idea of redemption would really appeal to her. Mm-hmm. I I don't think she would have thrown that at DC at this point because she was new to DC, I believe, or relatively new. Like I don't know if she would have had the stroke to try to, to try to get that across, but. I mean, this is really kind of like, you know, the sort of comic book, just sort of like shorthand interpretation, right? So I think if you want to be strict with it, like, this makes no sense. But at the same time, there's no reason why she couldn't have, like, you know, been training in the Batcave and, like, seen that come on television, like, sort of like a devil and angel personification in any kind of media. 
so that, so you could have, like, would have like learned about it colloquially that way. So it draws upon questioning where that comes from if it's a bit more specific, and maybe it could have been like manifested in. It would have been interesting if it would have been like Shiva and Oracle, or like the devil and the angel, mm. as as her two um, adult mother figures. Because, like, you know, of course, Shiva Shiva was trying to teach her in a way. She knows that, even though they, they, they had a death duel. That probably is a, not to like you know like 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 a play armchair writer, but that probably would have been a lot more apt. But you know that doesn't mean that like so yeah it's, it's a bit cartoonish and simple, but like you know. It's interesting that they did go for the sort of angel and, and devil thing, and I and I actually think that like because you know this, I don't think that like the Horrocks run and the later on the Greybark run are as good as the Kelly Puckett run. Like I think there's a little there's a little fast and loose with like you know just how she like I don't think that Cassandra Kane calls herself Cass. I don't think she thinks herself that in that way at all. But these are not really her thoughts. It's it's, it's kind of well they are, but like you know it's these these are kind of like manifested in sort of like you know these external ideas brought to her even though they're really from beneath inside of her so it's kind of kind of i don't want to say it's all over the place but it's, it's it's working on this idea that these are basic representations of what's good and what's bad and she always thinks that she's a bad person and so this kind of communicating to the reader more so than herself you know so should be doing communicating to herself mm-hmm. yeah you know i'll i look forward to that when i read that issue that you're talking about gail simone because I, I do think yeah that christianity and jesus in particular would be a pretty attractive religion and person for cast given what we've seen and trying to save everyone and seeing good in everybody mm-hmm. so, oh no it, it was never like a, it was never written it was like oh, a, a proposal that she had oh and she's like oh, I, I, I had see. i had an idea for cassandra kane and Danny Dio told me to f off or something like that. Like, like, like it, it, it never happened. But like, she was okay. she she had a whole proposal for Cassandra King that 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 would have involved that. That's too bad. And of course, yeah, we'll just leave it here where you see the love of <laughs> that Cass has towards Babs, and that she would uh, take it out on Dick, which I find it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. You <laughs> smash into him. What a quick two-panel interaction or confrontation. Oh man, I'll, I'll never forget when I first read that. I howled. <laughs> oh, any other thoughts on this? I really enjoy this issue. Okay. Um, and which is probably why uh, I mean it's not just this, but like I I think because like like the whole Black Winds mm. Tara Kassan thing like the the arc of that was so bad, and it it got in the way of storytelling. Like you talked about how odd to say the very least it was that Oracle gave her that bikini and stuff. I mean I think that this run is getting better with these issues, and so I think that I think this is a particularly interesting build up towards the issues that we're kind of going into, and this yeah, this this is this is what I really enjoy. What would you give it out of 10 pill dives? Out of 10? I'll give it an 8.5. Oh, okay. I'll give it an I, eight I was I almost went 9, but I thought you were going to be mad. You give it a, an 8? An 8, yeah. 8 out of 10 pill gotcha. dives. Yep. I, I guess maybe this writer is more focused on Cass being a girl. I think a lot of these choices come down to like, let's really focus on the fact that she's a girl. And that's not necessarily, I know that's her part of her identity, but I think if I were to have a conversation with this fictional character, Cassandra Kane, and I asked her who she was or how she identified, I don't think that she would say girl first. I don't think she's asexual. I think that like she displays, like I think, that, I think the whole thing with Superboy, you know, was fine. It made sense because she's surrounded by a hormonal group of people. <laughs> So 
understanding affection in that way is like perfectly open to it, but it can't be conventional. Like I think that like like there's there's an issue like like later on in the last run where she shows up to a party dressed kind of crazy, but I think that that made sense for her character. I think that that that, that track it wasn't just nuts. So you got to do that. Like like like, I, like you can't do a story. Like, oh well, she's on a date with somebody. Like you have to actually have her. You have to kind of zero in and kind of like you know investigate how she feels about certain things rather than just presume she's some way. And I think that like when when writers forget how removed from society she was as a kid. That's to the character's detriment. So you can do you can do sort of normal things like girlhood stuff, but it has to be done in a less conventional way. Yeah. And again, I think there was a missed opportunity. The fact that Barbara doesn't have any sort of conversations like this with Cass. It just she just forces a bikini on her. <laughs> and then they kind of talk about objectification, <laughs> but I'm like, have you had a sex talk? And all this. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, let's move on to 47. 47 uh, will be quick. The dream house. This issue is about Batgirl versus the Dawman. The Dawman is a serial killer in Gotham City who's been kidnapping and murdering supermodels or uh, celebutants and dressing them up as sort of like painted dollhouse girls for some reason. Batgirl is at the crime scene of, of the discovery of one of the bodies and Batman shows up as well. Batman's like, hey, girl, like, young lady, you've been avoiding me since Tarakistan. Are you going to tell me why? And then, like, you don't see Batgirl's eyes because of the mask. She's probably rolling her eyes. <laughs> um, uh, she asks who the uh, latest victim is, and Batman says that's Vanya Vance. She's a model who's been missing for the last two weeks. Bruce Wayne and her dated. I'll take this case. Um, so while Kaz is chilling in her little Batcave, uh, the Gotham News Media talks to Professor Lewis Friedman, who is a linguist and author, and he talks about uh, the killer's ciphers and such, and he's like, oh, people can make up all kinds of languages and even communicate with different languages. Why, I knew a girl who could communicate with just with body language. She could predict how you're feeling, but she was totally isolated. And Consensus is like, wait a minute, that sounds like me. While she's realizing that, uh, Batman is hanging out with Oracle at the clock tower. And says uh, she's not on this case because her her detective work isn't up to par yet. And besides, I I, I don't really have a lot of faith in her these days. When we were out of town, she kept on disobeying me. <gasps> and it, and there's something going on with her and that black wind guy. And she's like, "Well, I mean, can you blame her after how you reacted uh, with her see, seeing her with Superboy?" And yeah, but Superboy was annoying. Black wind was a terrorist. And so she's like, "Look, Bruce." You know, so she, so she showed poor judgment. It's not only that. She even kicked Nightwing through a wall. And Barbara's like... <laughs> <laughs> Did she really? <laughs> this is serious, Barbara. Okay, okay. Okay, well, I keep telling you that she's had a worse childhood than any of us. I can't imagine what it's like to be growing up with, with a, you know, being raised by Kane. Maybe this, her being Batgirl, isn't a, such a good idea. We've thrown her into a life of violence. I don't know sometimes if we're helping her or adding to her abuse. So while Batman and Oracle are talking about that, we see a scene of, much later on, of Batgirl meeting Professor Friedman and unmasking herself to, so, to, to reveal that, like, that like, she was the girl that he met years ago. And he says that like, basically Kane got the idea to train her in the language of violence from him, uh, almost as an experiment. And he's very deeply sorry that that, that he contributed in ruining her life, but he gives her a clue to, to find the whereabouts of the doll man. So she goes to the scene of the last uh, murder victim 
goes down the sewers, finds the doll man's hideout, falls through the traps because she's still not a very good detective, finds the other kidnapped models, finds the doll man. He's like, oh, I, did, I didn't mean to hurt anyone. I just wanted a family. I didn't know that the last model needed medicine. It's, it's not my fault. So she leads the victims out to, uh, to safety. She saves them all. The doll man is taken to custody. And as Batman arrives at the scene, at the police scene, Batgirl is right behind him. Once again, silent, staring him down, saying, yeah, I solved it. And you didn't. And swings away. What a disrespectful child. Wow. Next issue, dead, the buried dead. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see if she should have been fired or not. I will say, though, that, you know, Batman keeps using this word detective, but his definition of it in my opinion, keeps fluctuating. So I feel like Cass obviously (laughs) will never be one because he had this one definition where it's like, you know, in advance what's going to happen. So you prevent things that's being a detective, but now it's actually being a detective is how we would imagine being a detective, a detective of looking at clues and figuring things out. So until he comes down, it's like she is never meeting his standards because the standards keep changing in my opinion. I mean, you're right. I mean, I think what you're referring to originally is, is from the, the, the Pucket Run, which is a different writer, but you're you're not wrong there either. I think that like um, he sees being a detective as multifaceted, and like you know, certain certain situations call for certain special uh, specialities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. specialties. So here we have this cover, very creepy. I will mm-hmm. say, very creepy, and I don't. It's a creepy issue, so I guess it. It fits it. I don't know what to say about it necessarily. I mean, I think it's very well done. It's just, yeah, it's it's, it's a well, it's an interesting graphic image. Yeah. Um, it's not as to me, it's not as striking as the previous two images because those are much more like Cassandra based. Yeah, where here she's just she's just like ooh, I'm back, girl. But like, yeah, it's not a bad image. It's just, it's just I think pales in comparison to engagement from the, from the previous two. Yeah. To begin, I guess nearly the beginning. What are your thoughts on this discussion between Babs and Bruce? It's a classic mommy and daddy discussion. Like, you know, it's kind of like issue 23, I think, where Cassandra is working out for her fight and Shiva and Batgirl or Oracle and Batman were talking about the best way to raise her. Mm-hmm. And in here, Batman is just like, you know, like, like, why won't she talk to me? And Oracle is like, I mean, she's dealing with boys right now, but also maybe, this, you know, because of her age, this is maybe this isn't the right way to raise her. And kind of reintroducing that idea to Bruce. I I will admit I don't necessarily understand why Cass has trouble with Bruce right now. I feel like this is forced on us. I I don't see it as very. I don't organic. see the seeds. Yes, I, I yes, organic works. I was trying to look for something else, but that works. I mean, they've had some of their scuffles and yeah, they've disagreed on some things and what went on in Tarakstan, that wasn't the easiest of situations, but I don't know why she's treating him like this. Do you have any insight? Is this just me and I'm not reading well? Well, from what I remember, he kind of like this whole, like, you know, I don't like this pulling rank thing, which is a Superboy and then Black Wind. Like he doesn't like, like he's very protective of her interacting with like you know morally ambiguous characters, which Superboy isn't, but like Black Window was a terrorist and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was talking to him on her own, and he was very much. I remember very specifically, he was like you know like like talk to her again, and I'll break you like a twig. So I think there's a genuine miscommunication between like the person that she understood and got to know, and the fact that, that he was a terrorist. And it's not there's not really like you know they can't really they can't really see eye to eye on that. 
And because he's so, because he sees her in such a linear way, he's he has trouble getting through to her in a way where she can she can uh, connect with like she used to. Because originally, when it kind of just relied on skill and saving people and getting the job done, you know, he called her perfect. Mm-hmm. Now that there's actual human characteristics being involved, and she is kind of there, there's a there's a sexuality kind of introduced with, with with her and these like younger men. He he doesn't he 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 doesn't know how to act. So yeah, and, and it's unfortunate because there's some hypocrisy there. I'm surprised you're not calling him out on it. That oh, I would never. He and now Selena's not really a terrorist, but she's up to no good sometimes. So there could have been a good discussion about that that you know i too have you know an attraction towards someone but you gotta do da 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 da. but he he doesn't unfortunately he's pulling those i said no because i said so kind of thing as a father yeah he is i do feel like there's some hypocrisy even more hypocrisy because (laughs) Cass disobeyed bruce more than once and she hasn't yet been fired so not sure what's going on poor stephanie my gosh just wanted to say that. Sorry. Is that why? Is that is that your your metric? Like you know? Uh, okay, well, Stephanie got fired. I mean, Stephanie, you know, oh, has dissipated. She dissipated uh, Batman a few times. The whole like, oh, why aren't they fired? Is it because you're trying to defend her? Like, have you read those issues? Yeah, well, no, I know you have, but like you know, in your yes. reading, do I need to reread them? In my current reading, I'm beyond that now, aren't I? No, because that's that is um oh you're not at War Games yet, and then like like, oh. like that's that's at War Games. I think that's like coming up Ooh. soon. Right but not yet. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, it's a if you're gonna fire one person, you need to fire everybody who just <laughs> and no. who does, yes, you well, need to more stay value. consistent. He sees more value in Cassandra than he does in Stephanie. Oh, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not even trying to be mean about that. I'm not, even trying, I'm, I'm not even trying to be like you know territorial or prejudicial. Like, like he mm-hmm. does, like, like like Stephanie. And I don't even think that he's, he he keeps the fact that she's Cleopatra's daughter against her. I think it's just like you know she is a girl from the suburbs who half the time is getting saved by Robin and doesn't really save the day. Whereas Cassandra Kane is a perfect fighter trained by somebody that he knows with the dedication that he, that he relates to. Of course, he would give Cassandra more chances than Stephanie. I mean, like I don't. I don't is it hypocritical? You know what? I don't know if it is because like it, it follows his own line of reasoning. Yeah, but he he. <sighs> Okay, this is not the 70 Brown podcast, but he has opportunities to train her and just like gives up and doesn't do it. If he trains Stephanie, Stephanie could, she has potential to be close to Cass. I didn't say as good as because that might not happen, but she could be better. But he doesn't give her the chance. She's like, no, you're reckless. And here Cass is described as reckless. He is let, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but he basically says- The exact same thing about Cass that Steph came in and said that Bruce said about her. So I, f- I think it's a horrible. I think he's a hateful human being. And let's just hope he and I never meet in a dark alley. I'll tell him what's what. I think I, I think you have a checklist, <laughs> but like, you know, this these are the reasons why we would make something hypocritical. And, and I could be like, yes, it is. Check, check, check. A rubric for hypocrisy for bad jerk. Yes. Okay, so this David Kane situation, do you think that he was actually this calculating when it came to Cass, or was it really, which she didn't have that name at that point, or was it really just something that happened and then retroactively we get this uh, this explanation? 
Do you, what, are you saying that like that like? Yeah, well, let me um, rephrase. Do you think he does this make sense that he was discalculating? He talked to a linguist. He decided to do this experiment, or do you think no, that was just the way he trained her? But now we've decided to retroactively add this explanation. That's a good question, actually, because there's, there's a number of retcons with this, whether like the Cassandra's the only child who they which they retcon later on, whether she was kidnapped or whether she was his daughter which they which they've, they've since answered i like the idea that, that like he was introduced to the idea to train a child from birth to to to, to, to communicate through language i like that idea like because Keynes is not i mean he's intelligent but he's not somebody who's like like deathstroke or somebody who's that brilliant he's not a thug but he's not like you know i i like i like this this flashback concept so I don't think it's necessarily going against anything. I mean, I think you can still read this and then read the, the older issues and have a track. And he regretted how that that he did that. Like, at least, at least in, in like the early issues of background, he was like, like because like she ran away after she killed the first guy. So he's like, you know, I I did I introduced her to that bit too soon. So yeah, no, I, I mean, I I think it's fine. Do you, do you feel? That, did you read this and you're like, oh, I'm not sure if this tracks, or how did you react to this? Well, it works, but I just don't know if I ever saw David. I mean, David Kane's an intelligent man, but I didn't know that he'd be this. Like, I'm going to create this machine, and this machine is going to speak in where. Whereas, I just feel like it might have happened naturally that he was only training her in fighting and wasn't training her in any other way, and so that's why. She is the way she is. What machine are you talking about? I'm sorry. Is it is it machine? <laughs> yes. Yes, he created a machine. Cass is a machine, a fighting machine. Oh, oh, oh! Yes. I thought you were like he, he, like, a, like a technological hard <laughs> no. steel. Like what? No, he created her. Yeah, that, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. No, I think. I mean, I think that like he he wanted the perfect fighter, the perfect trainee, essentially, the perfect daughter in that way, and understanding that this is how you could do it he he went he went after it mm-hmm. uh do you think it's realistic that this doctor knows where the dollhouse is uh i mean sure it's convenient isn't it <laughs> it sure is yeah from what i can work out his childhood sense of isolation has continued to adulthood and his response has been to develop a rich fantasy life centered on a secret imaginary world he calls doll's house this private sanctuary lies hidden from prying eyes deep underground in a cave beneath the city I mean, it's so, a comic book. <laughs> I know, but if he said want? like it must be in a place, da da da, but he's like very specific. I thought, oh, that's yeah. interesting. And then, of course, yeah, the end where Batman is there and they're just staring at each other. I thought, oh, he's going to say something encouraging, but he didn't. So, thank you for living up to my expectations. <laughs> living down to your. <laughs> I know. Yes. Okay. So, and this is funny because, of course, I had a listener who said that. That I, I may have like put words into Batman's mouth. And obviously I call him Batrick all the time. But I think this is my persona, especially when you're on. I just like to call him Batrick to see how you react in the hypocrisy. That, that, that uh, top right panel <laughs> must be how you imagine him in your mind's eye, like with his his arms at his side, always. like you know, young lady. Yeah, always. Yeah. So this is just this is just Stella when it comes to Batman. Okay. Any other thoughts on this one? No. Okay. Out of 10 booby traps, what would you give it? Uh, about a seven. Okay. I, speaking of those booby traps, I was pretty surprised that she was hitting all of them. But yeah, yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one. Say seven out of 10 booby traps. And so here we, we finally get to it. 
Thank goodness we can d- wash our hands of her at last. Listen to you. <laughs> okay, Batgirl 48. Take it away, sir. You might as well be dead. Batgirl 48, still written by Dylan Horrocks. We've got art by Jean-Jacques Zalowski, inked by uh, Drew Grassi, still working, I believe. This issue starts off with a woman's uh, baby being kidnapped by human traffickers, quickly um, in pursuit by the Batgirl. Batgirl gives chase uh, on the street, but eventually because she kind of sucks at like really kind of focusing on getting these guys, she, uh, she wasn't getting a shot in the chest. Although, she gets shot a lot in this issue. I have to imagine like, you know, her suit's been like, you know, armored assistant because nothing goes through. So she's shot in the chest. And as, as she's flying on the, on the ground, she gets a radio call from uh, the clock tower. Batgirl, this is Oracle, please respond. And then Batman leans in and the receiver, uh, give me that. Batgirl, this is Batman. <laughs> this is direct order. Respond immediately. And so they're like, okay, she's still not talking to me. Do you think she's hurt? No, her movements have been in line with her usual behavior. She just won't talk. Yeah, the, the, this ain't new. She's been it's been several weeks she's spoken to me. So Bruce and Oracle have another conversation about how she's been, and he says, "I've been thinking a lot of what you said about Batgirl, um, about Cassandra. You have what did I say? You said you weren't sure whether you're helping her or abusing her." And then she's like, "Oh well, I did me." And then he like throws himself upon Oracle's lap. You're right. Oh. <laughs> I am, and as he's like openly, he doesn't. But like he, he says, just like I use Dick, and I'm using Alfred, and you, and Jason, because Jason's still dead at this point. With some rather dramatic panels of Batman, like I thought, Cassandra was just like me. She needed a mission to give her a life meaning, purpose for her to make up to the pain. At first, it seemed to work. She was loyal, dedicated. I think she was happy, but then things began to change. She's become disobedient, unstable. No longer tells us what to do. Maybe being Batgirl is doing her more harm than good. Why did I do it, Barbara? For her own sake or for mine? Bruce, I don't know, but let's not get carried away. This might be a delayed adolescence or something. I mean, she's 18 years old. You know what, how 18-year-olds were like. They hate their parents, right? And Batman's like, I wouldn't know. Well, Oracle responds as though she's Dick Grayson mentioning the Joker. Batman just disappears. So we cut to one of the traffickers who's in the hospital for his injuries, and Batgirl threatens him to give up the location of the other traffickers. She goes up to a warehouse where the, the the main traffickers have already left with the child, so she threatens another trafficker and basically chases, gives chase towards on a boat where there is a uh, woman named Miss Driver who explains the situation to both the men, women, and children who have all been kidnapped. Telling them that they'll be sold into sexual slavery and they'll be experimented on, and that if they don't give them any trouble, you know, they'll have the best case scenario for survival. And there's nothing they can do. One of her henchmen say, you know, there's there's something chasing us. It's it's uh, on the sonar, whatever it is, it's it's getting faster. And while this is happening, we see Batgirl's head bobbing up out from underwater. She has a bat line, a bat rope hooked to the boat. So she eventually flies onto the boat and give um has a fight scene with a lot of uh, armed gunmen. At one point, the woman, Miss Driver, has a mother holding a baby, her head up to a gun. And so Batgirl takes another, several more shots behind her. But then she is rescued by Batman. And we learned that like the Batboat was, uh, was giving chase towards the boat with Robin steering it. So we cut back to uh, Cassandra's place, I believe. Is, 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 yeah, it's, it's Cassandra's hideout. And as Alfred is taping her ribs... <laughs> Get ready for this, Stella. <laughs> you disobeyed me. I ordered you back to the clock tower, and you refused to respond. 
Que seja Charles protest, I had to help them. If you'd bothered to respond to our calls, you'd known that Robin and I had been monitoring the situation for weeks. The boat was leading up to their base of operations where we'd have captured enough of the top management to shut down the whole operation through North America. Door interferes to set those plans back at least six months. Cassandra says, you use those people, those kids. Well, they were perfectly safe. Their freedom would come a few hours later. That's all. You used them. We had everything under control until you turned up your reckless intervention, almost got yourself and those children killed. In the past few months, your behavior has become increasingly erratic and irresponsible. I don't care if this is some kind of delayed adolescence or teenage rebellion. The fact is, if you become a danger to yourself and to others, this can't go on. I'm ordering you to stand down as Batgirl. But I've arranged for an apartment near Gotham University. Alfred will drive you there in a few minutes. Anything you need will be taken care of, and you will bring anything that you want. Except this. Her precious costume. And Cassandra starts to tear up. Why? I can't allow anyone to jeopardize the mission, Cassandra. Even you. I. I'm sorry. But. You're f- <laughs> And that is Batgirl 48. Oh, boy. Finally. Finally, he pulls the trigger. Man, that. Yeah, her firing has been at least 48 issues coming. So. You know, no, 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 long you, <laughs> You've been playing her for months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Think of all the bad, all the metahumans she's fought when she's been told not to fight. These dates she's been going on. Oh man. Finally. Yeah. He couldn't be a hypocrite anymore. He said, I really have to do this now. Do you think he's actually sorry? Yeah. Cause he loves her. Yeah, no, 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 no. Like, like, legit, like he, he doesn't want to do this, but like, this reminds me a lot of. Do you remember in Death in the Family, in the first chapter, he's talking to Alfred, and you know he says Jason's not obeying me. He's reckless. He's violent. And Alfred says, yeah, when he's not, when we were not looking, I've noticed him crying at images of his parents. And Batman's like, yeah, this is a bad idea. He can't be Robin anymore. And then Jason hears that and runs away. Do you remember that scene? Vaguely, yeah. I have to be the responsible adult and. Put them out of harm's way. That's what, and you know, yeah, she's jeopardizing the mission, the war on crime, but she's also jeopardizing. So, I, I, you know, you can you can laugh about it all you want, but I think that this this is a very very good scene, even though it breaks my baby's heart. Your baby's heart, yeah. Well, he, I guess, even though he is a hypocrite, he was holding on so long, I think, yeah. for her, and now it's just gotten past the point of yeah, what he can actually allow. But crazy that, yeah, he fired his favorite or second favorite, maybe, if you think Dick is his favorite. So crazy. But it is also interesting. I think he uses basically the same verbiage for Steph and Cass's firing. So to sort of compare the two of them at this point is is pretty interesting. Just the reckless behavior and your danger to yourself and the mission and all of that. Okay, well, let's go go back to the beginning. Just wanted to point out of all that. So here we have might as well be dead, which is crazy that, you know, if she thinks that being dead is better than being fired. But this has given her life purpose. So, yeah, we'll see what she's doing after this with Batgirl 49. And then we're on the boat there. And then we've got the Batman going on behind her. So got some hints. I'd say that it's nice. It's mysterious enough and and direct enough to Mm -hmm. understand what's going on there let's see here i do wonder about this scene here where she's like skating 
on the on the road because I feel like this doesn't make sense. It makes sense when you might have some wheels on your shoes or if you're oh, yeah. on like a car door or something that would be giving you <laughs> maybe less friction. But here it's just like how how are her arms not ripped from her body because she's moving and she keeps attaching herself to moving things because later on, of course, she attaches herself to the boat. Well, we know that like the 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 bat rope has like a D cell line. This isn't bat bat girl year one. Like those cables are specifically designed so it won't rip off your limbs. No, but her shoes aren't. I mean, they're going to be adding so much friction that I feel. No, like exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's you're exactly right. She should have some some like uh, Schumacher esque wheels at the end of her boots. Yeah, I also don't appreciate you bringing up bat girl year one because we know that. Bat jerk appears there heavily and he what? cuts Barbara's line and almost kills oh, her. Yeah. No, he saves her life because she screwed up because she was an ass. Oh my gosh. This is why we can't have you on the show anymore. Okay. <laughs> we found out that Cass is 18 now. So mm-hmm. I always like to point that out um, when she, I feel like she was just 17 a few issues ago, but that's okay. Well, I, mean, I remember that, that like uh, uh, she was seventeen, if not the start of her series, at least in No Man's Land, and then the the Shiva Death Duel was like a year, like one year from now we'll fight. So she has to be at least eighteen by this point. Okay, so maybe a yeah, timeline. I feel like my next question was, you know, what is going on with Cass? Is this out of nowhere? But we we've I think chatted about that in the previous issue, so we probably don't need to do that. You got to tell me what you think about this this Oracle and Batman scene. Yeah, it's very interesting, especially it's when she she flubs up because Dick flubbed up in that issue where he mentions Joker and then she says about parents and then's like, ooh, every, you know, the parents and everything. Well, it's interesting that she doesn't recall. What did I say? I feel like she probably knows everything that she said to Bruce as it regards to cast so to be reminded and then the fact that he kind of focuses in on these extreme criticisms that she's had about abuse, like we're, we're throwing out some strong words here where I think she probably did it a bit more delicately and then says you're right. And that's flummoxing, I think, to hear from from Batman, but that he has owned up, I think, to, yeah, you know, this is one of my flaws that I do use people maybe not intentionally it's just how it kind of happens and even owns up to to that and which is probably why he stutters a bit at the end when Cass accuses him of using the people who have been kidnapped in order to ultimately reach his goal so he has like a good end point but the means to the end are not the best in terms of what he does but no it's a, it's we've been having some good mom dad conversations in this book i would say mm-hmm I, 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 think, I like the art. It's a different artist than mm-hmm. uh, Rick Arty, and it's very kind of like detailed and realistic. And he's in, in a lot of shadow. And this is one of those things where I'm like, you know, like, like maybe he should be. He should have his mask. So I remember in issue 23 when he was in the Batcave and Oracle was in the Clock Tower, and they were like on on Skype or Zoom. He had his mask off, and you know, this is like in like the Dark Batman era, so he's always Batman. But like, he's so open with Barbara mm-hmm. that to me, it's not. Like, like, like the scene at the end, it makes sense for him to have the cowl on. And here, uh, I don't, I don't dislike it, but it, I, I think, I feel that like it would be more characteristically honest if he were unmasked in this scene yeah. uh, with with Barbara. Yeah, he doesn't get as emotionally naked as I yeah. think he does with Barbara often. 
They've been through a lot. They've been through a lot together. I do like that human trafficking is the focus on here. I feel like, I mean, this is 2003. Obviously, human trafficking has been going on for a while. I think it's only really been recently that people are understanding, oh, actually, slavery still exists. But it seems like 2003, to bring that up, is pretty forward thinking. And even probably when I read it, whenever I did my read the first time, I, I may not have recognized it, but now with the eyes of understanding what what is actually going on, I appreciate it more. She's doing some Batman tactics, some fear tactics, if you notice. Yeah, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> well, she knows her mission. She understands what she needs to do to get there. Perhaps is a bit too far. We don't want people to be like Batman, but... It's I want to be like Batman. Behavior. Well, then you should fire yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Who who do you think is right? Is someone right in this debate regarding this case here? Oh, uh, no, I I read this and and like, yeah, she's going to like, you know, like, oh, here's here's a weakness I can I can exploit for for my bachelor crusade. But like, you know, I think I think I like Cassandra's reaction Mm -hmm. that because it feels like the first time Cassandra is really like, you know, she looks at the Batman so much. I mean, she may have these sort of like fear that he disapproves of her, but this is the first time that she's like, you did something I do not like. And I think Batman, I mean, I don't think, I don't think you should read this as Batman was in any way contributing to the exploitation of, of human trafficking victims for any, some sort of, I think, I think he genuinely was like, you know, we were going to get those people, but and you got in our way when she up, attacks on, he uses people, those kids, that's not a conversation he's, he's used to having with Cassandra, with Dick, with Barbara. Yeah, they 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 mouth off all the time to him. But like, I I like him that he's kind of stuttering, almost because like it's not something that he would kind of anticipate discussing with her because you know she's typically so loyal to him. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know. It's just it's, it's a it's a it's a vulnerable detail that I that I enjoy. Yeah, I think she usually goes along with with what he does and kind of his word is, is law. And she believes that his intentions are, are always good. But now, I mean, it's almost like she's becoming, even though I I think a lot of the argument is that, well, she's 18, she's acting like a teenager for the first time. It's also like, I feel like she's becoming an autonomous human being separate from Batman. Like she's actually coming into her own and, and yes, she's still, wants to emulate him but i think she's also understanding who she is and what those limitations might be and and coming into her own belief system which i think is is powerful for you know a a young woman i yeah i like this discussion because i think it shows that you know it reminds me i guess of cop dramas and things like that and and having someone (laughs) undercover and Maybe someone blows by and and does something. You're like, you messed that up. I feel like Spider-Man has done this several times where he's like gone after something and the cops are like, we had a sting operation going. You messed that up, Webhead. So it's just something that continually goes. You've got this long game and then someone only sees maybe the short the short end of it or a smaller focus. And then she may have with the Nightwing in um, the Young Justice Animated series. I recall somebody kind of like confronting him about something along the lines, along those lines. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, a lot of a lot of that show is like the long game <laughs> that yeah. anyone could potentially mess up, and you're like, please don't do what you're doing. You're going to mess it up. Which I feel like in this, yeah, this previous season, they were there's a lot going on, and other people could have messed up their mission. But no, I mean, yeah, it's a powerful issue, and I'm sure it brings you lots of 
Happy catharsis. Happy catharsis, if only because now we know no one is safe. No one is safe from Batman's firings. <laughs> so I'm happy about that, indeed. And we'll see what happens. She's uh, yeah. It might be Demon in a Bottle Part Two with. Uh, it, oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is really drowning funny. her sorrows with sake. It is really funny to see like the last scene because you were just like blabbing about firing her for like I think probably years now. Years. And I kind of for- I kind of forgot because I know that like really don't issue fifty. Which is a big confrontation. I, 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 it kind of slipped my mind that this happens. So whenever this, you know, I was, I was, I was like, oh no, she's going to go after this. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, final thoughts on forty-eight, and then your grade out of uh, ten crocodile tears. I think this is as in character for everyone involved as I was talking about with uh, the Devin Grayson Nightwing issues, like like with him, with Dick and Babs kind of arguing back and forth. This feels as true to these characters as that did to them i would give this eight out of ten mommy daddy conversations mommy daddy conversations okay (laughs) eight out of ten hmm i'm gonna i might raise you for once i mean because you got fired detail well yeah, well, I think there's so I'm going to give you an 8.5 out of 10. Sorry, not sorries. <laughs> That's cool. You're so mad because you took Barbara's costume. Listen, <laughs> when you do something against my girl, you've made an enemy. Not one, but two. Okay. Donovan and I are going to take a break. And yes, we when we get... <laughs> <laughs> when we get back, I'm going to cover listener emails because I'm trying to space out and hopefully this first part won't be huge compared to the second part. Some modern quickies. Nightwing's not going to be covered just because my schedule, I, I couldn't fit it in. I'm so sorry. So next month, which I am sorry about because apparently there's lots of ooh, ah, and a boy, howdy, sexy time. So I'm sorry, but I'll just overload it on the next episode. And of course, Batgirl's number 10. But first, we have Zias's radio hour featuring Hot and Her. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The radio edit, of course, by Timeless Classic. Yes.
I just sent a scandalous reel to Donovan. We were chatting about it before we started recording. We won't talk about it. But just know that if you're a friend with me on Instagram, which I have so many pending people because I don't know who you are, I just blast people with reels all the time. Donovan will attest to this. So I do. (laughs) So I think they're really good. I send really good ones. Okay. So listener email time. Mail time. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. We do have some comments from the YouTube. So, uh, episode 224, Ethan Prime, aka Ethan Moore, says Simone begins. And Donovan comes on for some reason. I'm reading his comment, but he's here. He says, I really enjoyed all the discussions of objectifying artwork and cheesecake fan service because you two really wrestle with Simone's intentions and giving her and Benes the benefit of the doubt. Looking forward to more of this kind of look at old comic artwork, both for pros and cons. 
Also, Dr. Schwartz Levine was terrific. Hope to see her back on this show again. So positive things from Donovan. I don't get that very often. Then Bagels After Midnight, a.k.a. Harry Harrison Harold, the Fishman Shoot, said, Hideo Kojima indeed, master games craftsman, genius of the literary interactive fiction, decoder of the human genome as well as the human genome of monkeys. His (laughs) His collaboration with Guillermo del Toro and possibly Junji Ito yielded PT or plays a playable teaser for the now canceled Silent Hills. It's the scariest thing I've ever experienced and I didn't play it, but rather watched it as a let's play with commentary. That was the thing I couldn't remember where we were, we were chatting about that. And then final comment is I believe from a Russian bot because Cyrillic alphabet is there and it says cool video appreciate may capital M-A-Y video and then a bunch of vehicle emojis. So I'm not sure it might have been appreciate my video because the Russian bot appreciated my video. So I should go on to theirs. But I don't understand about all the the farm equipment and the vehicles and such. And I have two emails. So first from Ian Prime, aka Ian Miller. Dear Stella, hooray, you have arrived at the Simone Birds of Prey. I'm so excited. And I appreciated your guest erudite enthusiasm. I recently read The Long Box Hunters for the first time, and I was actually fairly impressed with the artistry and craft of its construction. It does have that dark age quality to it, but I think it's got more to offer than the killing joke for Green Arrow that I thought it would be. It was pretty brutal to Dinah, but she also got a ton of really interesting stuff to do and character traits highlighted that I appreciated. I do think that Simone was deliberately trying to say, quote, this is how Dinah is perceived by too many fans and writers, and so I'm going to have Dinah face her worst nightmare and triumph, end quote. Since I haven't read The Longbow Hunters when I read this issue... I mostly just thought it was a really awesome challenge for Dinobabs and Huntress to face and really prove their heroism and their relationships with each other. Regarding Batman and Savant, I think Batman is actually not being a bat jerk in this story's flashback. How dare you disagree with me? I think he was absolutely- Talk on it. <laughs> I think he was absolutely right about Savant. One doesn't go from trying to capture an arsonist to blackmail, kidnap, and torture just because Batman was mean to you once. We don't know. We'll see what happens to Cassandra. Cassandra turns into a villain, and it was probably because she was fine. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? It was a logical leap. Okay. So really, I don't think Bruce was being mean at all. I think he accurately judged Savant's character. Where he perhaps fell down was in the follow-up, but we'll see more of that later. As you know, Savant sticks around to the second Simone run and was sadly much less well handled by her there. Regarding Batgirls number nine, I think the letter you had and your response about the ensemble nature of the series was a thoughtful one. I personally am a bit frustrated that Steph and Cass have tended to be attached at the hip since Joker War, similar to some fans' complaints about about how Tim and Steph were attached at the hip since Rebirth, though I disagree with that assessment, because I think it robs them of their own storylines and demonstrating their different motivations and goals. I actually really appreciated Issue 9 for the way it explored Steph and Cass pursuing their own interests. I really like Steph's moments, her sense of fun in the pool, detective skills, and her emotional struggle at the end. Hopefully we get more of that in this series. I am a bit annoyed at how the fights seem either overwhelmingly hard so the Batgirls retreat or overwhelmingly easy. It doesn't feel like there are hard-fought victories. Perhaps I'm frustrated because I didn't like how easy the KG Beast fight was in Nightwing as well. Yours sincerely, Ian Prime. Any thoughts on that? I 
also think that it's a little there's a lot of discourse on Batgirls right now and a lot of I think sort of fans who are kind of upset at how the Batgirls title has turned out which I'm looking forward to talking about and I also think they're also rather young and I think that like some of their reactions are a bit overblown like lately I've kind of been getting on Twitter it's like I don't know what you guys problems is with some of these things that being said I'd be lying I can't put my hand in my heart and say that like that like some of the some of the pictures are a little bit twee like a little too precious like every single issue has a variant cover of them eating and it's like I, I, I don't know what that's supposed to communicate and I think that like that fact that the test suffer casts are together always I think it does somewhat harm I don't know if I want to say harm but like I don't think that's a know this because Sandra Cain is an amazing character she doesn't need Stephanie Brown to validate her in that way which is I'm saying it's being suggested but I think that's being sort of inferred and same thing with Stephanie Brown she had her own Batgirl title for two years yeah and I think have them kind of be twinsies constantly. I don't know. There's there's something about that kind of like like babysitters club esque kind of like BFFs forever kind of approach. That's a little demeaning if it goes on too long mm-hmm. because it suggests that these characters are a bit juvenile and they really should be just grown women by this time. I, Steph, Cass, and Tim should be over eighteen, and they're always being written as though they're like fifteen since the New Fifty Two. So. I am not always 100% on board with the kind of constant yelling I see on Twitter about this series, but at the same time, there's something to it, and I think we'll get we'll get into it uh, once we start talking about Batgirls and pretend. How do you feel? And this is not a a baiting question because you know I do like to bait you with cast stuff and things like that. But in on you know I've talked about it on my show. If they ended up developing a romance between Steph and Cass, how would you feel about that? Well, it's about time. Um, I honestly, I, I really feel, I talked about this on your Shipper special when we did. I was talking a little while ago in the previous review section about, you know, I don't think that Cassandra Cain is like asexual or aromantic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that she, she clearly has very strong attachments to those who've involved themselves in her life because it's, it's new to her. I think there's there's a non zero percent of attractions you might have towards Tim Drake uh, that other people have picked up on. It's not really been like committed to, but I think that that's there. The same goes for Stephanie Brown, especially after Stephanie died. There's a lot of very like you know <laughs> panels whenever she sees the ghost of, of Stephanie in a post War Games comics. I think it would make sense if Stephen Cass got together. That being said, I would really want somebody who's well versed in those characters to do that. Because I think part of the frustration with like like let's say the Tem stories is that it's one thing to have a, a sort of a character uh, discovering their sexuality and stuff, but that can't be like you know it, it can't be a story that you can tell with anybody in the way that they're telling it. It has to be a Tim Drake specific story, and you want that to feel natural towards those characters. I think it's perfectly believable for Stephen Cast end up getting together, but I would want to have it feel. I want, I would want to believe in it. Uh, what is it to suggest that I can't right now? But I wouldn't want—I wouldn't want them to be kind of cycled out with any other, you know. Like for instance, I don't want—I would not want scenes of them together to be like replaced. Like, like oh, that dialogue could apply to America Chavez and, and Kate Bishop, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Where, where it's like, well, we are writing towards our very loud queer audience, regardless of their personal history. Exactly. Like you know, you're not going to have a, a scene of Cassandra Kane like throwing herself kissing Stephanie Brown. That's not. Cassandra Kane, but I can't see them kissing. You know, it's very dependent on how you write them because these are 
these characters in Tim Drake are very, very thoroughly explored. So you can't half-ass it. And I would like to see it because it would be a terrific story, a terrific development. But you need to do it professionally and you need to do it seriously. And I feel very strongly about that. Because I I feel that like otherwise you're doing down the audience, you're doing down the characters, and you're just doing down story potential by just presuming what it would be like rather than like, you know, committing to how the characters could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, that's absolutely what what I've been saying is just that you need to have (laughs) believe what's going on. And right now, you know, when I see these two young ladies together, I am not reading anything into it. I mean, I know there have been a couple panels like, oh, you know, I yeah, maybe. But like in this issue, I didn't really sense any sort of romance or anything going on. So we'll I I don't feel like chemistry coming off the page yet. So it could go either way. But I I agree that it needs to I be. Think I, I would buy Cassandra developing feelings for Stephanie more so than Stephanie because Stephanie. I think Stephanie has more experience with other relationships to where that wouldn't, I, I, I could see it coming up quicker on Cass's ankle than, than Steph's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And probably Cass would be like trying to figure out how to, especially in this. Cause it's like, she's just born a couple of days ago <laughs> trying to figure out how to, you know, maybe talk about those feelings or yeah, what's going on. Okay. Uh, do you think they would have, would there be a, a sexuality conversation with with Babs? Or do you think it would just be like, this is just how it is now? Like an orientation kit? Um, yeah. Or do you think they would come out or they would just start dating and there wouldn't be any sort of discussion on anything? Well, I mean, I don't think that Cassandra was raised with a kind of conservative upbringing to where that would be perceived as abnormal. Mm-hmm. Especially considering how she acts on feelings so so often, so I don't think if if anything, Stephanie would be one to like say I, I'm I'm feeling because we because Stephanie canonically has never been perceived as any any kind of um of uh, queer or bisexual, mm-hmm. so she would be she would be the one to like go to Barbara and like you know listen this this things are getting kind of kind of different with me and Cassandra, whereas Cassandra Kane would, would kind of like. If she were to go to anybody with that, it wouldn't be about questioning orientation. It just kind of, kind of be about romantic feeling, period. Yeah. Like, I, I, honestly, I can see a scene where like, they go to Barbara separately, and they talk about talk about things that are the same topic, but differently. That would be actually yeah, kind of interesting. That would be interesting. I wonder, do we have any pansexual characters in the DCU? In the DC universe? Pansexual? I don't know, because there's, no, there's not really any, like, you know... But I think is Alicia the other, the only trans character that we know of. So... Yeah. I don't know. You're either bisexual, i.e., a Gotham City female character, straight, really. Um, like I know that Tom King had a had a scene where like Taya was with both men and women, which both was like new to me, but also like uh, I say new to me, new period, but also it made sense. But there's like no comment on that, so like I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I have a lot of thoughts, and I think that like um, sure. there's a lot of interesting avenues to explore, but I don't think that like you know the sharpest. Knives in the drawer have, have been ones utilized in these kinds of situations. Yeah. Plus, I, I think people may not necessarily know what pansexual means. So it's right. best maybe not to write it if you don't know what it is. 
Okay. And then the final email is from my Earth 2 BFF, Shana. She says, hi, BFF Stella. The news about the shelving of the Batgirl film is just devastating. I was so looking forward to the movie. I feel like I will be mourning the loss for a long time. Yes, Gail Simone, finally. If only that Benna's art wasn't so damn distracting. Beautiful, yes, but cheesecake for sure. His art is one of my biggest complaints for the beginning of Simone's run. It has also stopped me from recommending it to other women who I think would really enjoy the story and characters. I don't know if it was her intention, but Simone's writing made me feel like she had a female audience in mind, and I feel like Benez's art <laughs> takes away from that. The first three pages of Beckerl's number nine may be my favorite of the entire run. Can you guess why? It almost felt like I was reading a different book. <laughs> Because there was no purple boxes to talk about or to talking to us, I guess. Overall, I really enjoyed this issue. I think it was well paced and balanced all three back roles well. I also appreciated the downtime and seeing each of them engaging in non-vigilante activities. I think your comment about Cass and her struggle to read actually points to a larger problem the series seems to have. Most everything comes easy to these girls. Whether it's fighting or reading for Cass, we don't really see them struggle. I think the book could be so much stronger if the writer showed us more of that. I think that is one of the reasons why Steph's arc was so solid in the first six issues. It was the one time I felt like we saw one of the characters struggle and overcome. Even though I didn't agree with the reasons, I still felt emotionally engaged with Steph's arc. Something as seemingly small as Cass struggling to read could be really fulfilling for the reasons you mentioned. The writers could have also used it as an opportunity to flesh out more of Cass's relationship with Babs. Hell, I'm still waiting for the writers to do something with Barbara's line, I have to do better back in issue number one. Finally, I'd like to respond to what Adam wrote pertaining to the last panels of Birds of Prey number 55. The reason why I feel those panels come off as homophobic is because of how they present same-sex attraction as something undesirable on the page. I understand why a real person may not react positively to assumptions being made about who they are attracted to. I don't believe every straight person I meet is homophobic because they engage in heterosexual attraction and relationships, nor am I sickened by heterosexual attraction. And personally, I don't appreciate people assuming I must find men attractive when I don't, but I wasn't making a point about people in a real world context. I was referring to characters in a story. A story is not real life. Characters aren't real people. Stories and characters act as symbols that communicate a series of ideas and perceptions to an audience. So in the context of A Birds of Prey number 55, a story, I think the last panels reflect a negative perception of homosexuality that happened to be pervasive at the time and in my own experience, I saw reflected in many mainstream stories like TV sitcoms. I hope that makes where I was coming from more clear, Shana. They're referring to the last issue of Birds of Prey that you talked about with uh, the professor? No, it was the last issue, I think, of the Hernandez run where there was a rooftop scene between Babs and Dinah. And there's an in-joke inside where I can't remember which one said it, but basically said like people people are going to think we're dating or something like that. And then it's like, yeah, we already have trouble as it is. Yes. And then uh, Shana had brought up kind of like gay panic, or maybe I did. And then it was early 2000s. So she said that was her experience at the time of, of media and things like that. Okay. Well, thank you for everyone writing in. Uh, thanks, Shana, for writing in and clarifying your thoughts because I wasn't sure if Adam was responding to me, responding to you, or just responding to you. 
But yeah, I appreciate certainly your perspective. And just trying to think if there is anything else. Yeah, I guess we'll see if they struggle, struggle on something. Look at that. They could struggle with their sexuality, maybe, if if they decide to go that route. I don't know. First, they need, first they need to know how to spell it. First, they do need to know how to spell that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to do it now. We're going to talk about some comics. Now, I do have some modern quickies. Just talk about Batman 127. Barbara is back in that same outfit that she had been in for arcs and arcs and arcs. So... I don't, hopefully she's showering, but she's not changed. And she and Nightwing are just chatting about the current situation with failsafe. And they both agree that they need backup and backup arrives. And that is Superman. Yes. Barbara also appears as Batgirl in Batman Nightwatch number one, which I personally don't like the art in the majority of that issue. It seems like they're trying to do old school gotham knights or gotham adventures i'm not really sure what the purpose of this this run is you can tell me if you know or this story or book i guess i should say it does say that using social media backroll taps into an informal network to track the villain throughout the city which is clayface of course do you know the purpose or the point of batman night watch uh i don't i'm actually opening one of them now okay. j torres no i don't okay <laughs> I have no idea. It just felt like it was supposed to be, you know, Gotham Adventures, or it seemed like it was more fun and maybe not necessarily in continuity. I can't tell. But because the right. art was such a turnoff, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be reading this. I guess I'll see what Barbara does and scan through quickly. But that's that's where I'm I, I, Yeah, I like the art. It, lo- it looks a lot more young reader friendly. Yeah. But yeah, because like, like it's not a continuity because like Damien is the Robin with Batman and like if you've kept up with the bat books, you know that like Damien's like, you know, like he's not wearing that costume. He's kind of been on his own. Like this is definitely like, you know, outside of outside the stories that we're telling right now. Okay. So as they give a, a big yawn, cause I'm tired. We're doing back number 10 back summer part two story, Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad art, Neil Gooch and it colors Rico Renzi, the Hill Gotham city. Killer Moth and an unknown man are working on something involving an eyeball and a cipher, I'm sure. While the latest podcast from Grace O'Halloran is playing, for once she's not drinking, catching everyone up on the Hill Ripper and the latest victim, Mr. Green. Elsewhere at the Gotham Hill Public Library, Cass and Steph are getting any and every book on eyes in order to figure out the cipher. We are reminded that a cipher has three parts, a page, a line, and a word. As Steph goes to get even more books, she runs into <gasps> Kyle Mizuguchi, <laughs> who ends up help- well. There we go. There, there. Strike that sexuality uh, conversation for now, anyways. Uh, who ends up helping them out on there? Which I've got some problems with, but we'll get into that. As a part company, Steph makes some heart eyes at Kyle and cast spots Killer Moth flying around. They quickly change into their work clothes and go after Killer Moth while dodging and sometimes not dodging his moth gun. They get in a couple hits before getting wrapped up in his goo and falling into Harry Shute's place of business, a fish market. (laughs) Back at the the loft, Babs in her wheelchair, I just want to point that out, decides to go the ethical route and contact Kamish 
Montoya instead of hacking into GCPD. On a rooftop, Batgirl tries to build trust with Montoya and asks for cooperation. There's also a Gremlins reference in there that I got because of the water. I've actually never seen Gremlins, but I do understand. Montoya says she will turn a blind eye, but she will not be a part of it. When Steph and Cass return to the loft, smelly and dirty, they wonder where Babs is and she updates them via their earpiece. While there's evidence connecting Killer Moth to Mr. Green, she doesn't believe that he is the killer because he is not as creative. So again, we have a Barbara Gordon who basically says, no, 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 this must not be true. That seems her MO. After meeting with Montoya, Babs swings over to see Dick, where we get some shameless objectification over some covefe. Babs updates him on her interaction with Montoya. Dick asks Babs about her back. He corrects her grammar and <laughs> turns her on with his proper grammar. Isn't that all we need is someone like this? For sure. One thing leads to another, and and I'll just end there. It reminds me of, I know, it reminds me of She-Hulk and the thirst trap that uh, Jennifer's BFF sends to Wong. I mean, I just need a thirst trap like that. Just yes, Donovan, send me a sexy photo sometimes of you fully clothed in front of or reading a book. That's the thirst trap right there. I said fully clothed. I said fully clothed. Okay. At the loft, Steph and Cass chat about the cipher and Kyle when Babs returns home. We get to see the tech attached to her spine, which I feel like we don't see very often, if at all, as she changes and they share updates on what they've been up to. Suddenly, this minor almost forgotten character appears named Alicia and she has some donuts and boba. Babs updates her on the case. Got some questions with this. And Alicia fangirls over Grace, who apparently visits her cafe. And Babs may actually use this connection in the future. As Cass is reading one of her latest book purchases, they all suddenly realize, or at least Cass does, that the telltale heart is the cipher key. And this is the solution. Your next hint hangs in the enclosure that houses your namesake. Fly to the top. Far from prying eyes, bring a torch. And they all guess maybe the bat enclosure. All of this leads Babs to believe that the Riddler is involved. And as we see, maybe the Riddler, he says that garbage day has come for Gotham and Mr. Fun is taking out the trash. Next, the game is a foot, not a foot, but a foot. Okay. So foot fetishers unite. Okay. Please now. Oh boy. Okay, so let us begin with this cover here. So Donovan was did were we recording? I guess we were. Kind of the the urban style Batgirls logo. We've got Kyle up there on a stack. Got a bunch of eyeballs. This actually looks very Doctor Strange when Chris Pacello was doing that run. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it kind of has that feel of it. Got someone's watching 1984. We've got Cass. Well, luckily, Carolyn doesn't know this time because full body Batgirl, everyone's on there. It is kind of weird that you've got the three girls and then Kyle is just hanging out there. But thoughts on this cover here? It's a good image. I think that like the art style, I know it's the previous artist, is kind of splotchy. Like, I know, that, I know that's just his style, but like, you know. Robert Rodriguez, it, it, you mean? Yeah, 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 Rodriguez. Um, it's a good image, though. I actually, I actually quite 
I quite dig it. Why is Kyle there? I don't know, but I can. I suppose because you can't really. I I would not be able to know that's him. I didn't know that was him on the cover. I was like, oh, there's a guy, and then like yeah. you know, later I was like, oh, it was, it was him. But um, I like it, and I like I like especially particularly Batgirl that big Cassandra in the middle with the kind of Spider Man like pose with like mm-hmm. the, like the the knees pointed up and stuff like that. That's yeah. a it's a nice image. And the E because that's the section they're in could be pointing to Enigma. Maybe maybe that's a hint. Okay, so Steph and Cass are in charge of figuring out the cipher. Does this seem like a reasonable job to give them? Well, it depends. It certainly seems like something that Oracle would probably want to walk them through and not just, hey, figure this this out. I think, and I'll get into this a bit, if this were the Brian Q. Miller Batgirl and the, let's say Dylan Horwick's Batgirl, you know, Cassandra from 2004 and Stephanie from 2009, I could, I would buy it a bit more. As this book has had it, like, Stephen Cass have kind of been treated like they're both in competition for becoming the next misfit. So, I don't know. Because it feels like it's playing fast and loose with, like, you know, what their ability can be and what their ability has been. So, that's a good question that, that I'm not sure tracks. Mm-hmm. personally i also don't think that and it makes me sad to say it because obviously you know i like these characters i love steph but i would not i mean if i've got barbara gordon on my team and we've got a cypher like barbara gordon's gonna be the one to do this i think because they each have their own strengths and i think that barbara gordon would have this handled now i i think we're getting to you know maybe shannon's point of give them something to potentially struggle with which they do a little bit in this and barbara we want them to be a team barbara is somewhat of a team leader so she is delegating tasks and she believes in them and so why not you know do this thing but like give them this this trial but you're right that there wasn't much of a there, there's a, a pedagogical misstep here because there's no like we do or i do we do you do situation it's just like you do so she's kind of skipping some steps where she could she could have led them through this and if we are on a time crunch because people are dying in this city look at all these books that they have look at how much time and they they're they kind of know where to start what a cipher is made up of but they're kind of yeah scrounging around trying to try to scrabbling is a better word and trying to figure it out and i will say unfortunately that i have trouble taking stephanie brown seriously because of her eyes oh my god oh my god <laughs> why why is it like this is it just because she's juxtaposed with with Cass? but i think Cass's eyes are really respectful and and great job but why did why does steph look like this i this, this and even I, barbara I, no, can i no see barbara's intended. face i can't what'd you say well i started saying i as in like the letter oh, not yeah you know but but like um yeah i, I said yeah, no i think so. barbara's fine i don't think yeah. that, like she's she looks as buggy as steph does I had such a gigantic problem with how Stephanie was done in this issue. Like, and of the three characters, I'm not even sure how she writes. I don't. I don't know personally because I grew up with Stephanie Brown. A spoiler, right? Like, I really did. Like, like, like Robin by Chuck Dixon. I'm very familiar with Stephanie Brown from the beginning. I don't know. I'm not worked out 
between her and Barbara, who I prefer exactly. Like, like, like I, I, I like both of them quite a bit, but I couldn't really tell you because, you know, Cassandra Cain's in the book. Mm-hmm. But I've not, I think I've been a bit more lenient on this title than others have. I, I've seen people's patience, you know, just be worn razor thin by this point. But this one was one where I was just like, you can't, you can't keep getting away with this. Like, Stephanie is just completely ridiculous with this whole thing. I mean, she's got like Simpsons eyes where you can see the entire like iris and everything like that. It's like her just completely bugged out. There's no eyelids anywhere. Whereas, whether you're Asian or not, like everyone else looks far more measured mm-hmm. and far more like we are human beings with, with, with a spectrum of reactions. Yeah. She looks like Stephanie looks like she's like high. <laughs> and like the panel where they're walking with Kyle outside of the library down the steps, and like there's that like zoom up on her eyes with like R's in them. She's biting her lip. I mean, I gotta say, I like the artwork. Mm-hmm. I like it better than Robert Rodriguez. It's it's a bit it's a lot more clear, it's expressive, and I like how the character is generally written. But I think Stephanie looks like a like like a damn caricature. I I don't know where she got these freckles from. I think the constant like like, like the, the the toothy grin and the big eyes and stuff. Like she looks like a character from Chew. It feels like it's a reaction to the script. And last issue, we saw her in like a kiddie pool with like with like a drink with like a crazy straw or like that. That's her. I remember looking at it like 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 WTF. Like what? I, right. I, yeah. I'm 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 too afraid to even ask if she's still a mother. <laughs> I just don't want to be be oh, told no because. I feel that there's a there's there's you know you because you were ta- talking to me like you know like like does it does it track with you that like Cassandra is of all racist reader and I was like no but it's not like you know a bazillion miles away from the sort of like soul of the character but her disability has been like completely like I think just forgotten and sort of misinterpreted with Stephanie it's like okay well Stephanie has not been like you know raised as this like diseased orphan with like you know a tortured mentality like Bruce. Or Dick Grayson, so she takes herself less seriously. She's not as humorless as Tim Drake in comparison. And somewhere along the line, we've gotten to the point where she's just like Einstein, Eisner, Richard. I, I, I we're going to crack this thing wide open. And it's just like stop, please stop. Like, like I get what the writers are doing, uh, Becky Cloonan, and I would even go as far as to say that we're kind of in a. And I don't want, I don't. Want, <laughs> I don't. I don't want this to start to anything because I'm trying. I'm. 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 I'm you're, you're. You're getting my best work on this episode. This feels like a MCU Spider-Man uh, situation, wherein oh, no. this might. This might work out well for an issue of comic book. Like I don't know if you can read this comic book and say there's anything inherently wrong with it in in and of itself. And I think I think I actually like this this issue, but as a representation of the characters, this has been like really rub up against that idea for a while now. And with Stephanie, I feel it's just getting worse. Like you can, you can say like, like would Barbara feel this way about seer? Would she feel this way about an enemy in terms of respect? Like, does that track? Does that make sense? And you can say like, you know, Stephanie took all these books. Well, she, she doesn't know how to read. Like, like where that come from? But with Stephanie, I, I feel that like, it's, it's kind of like just, it feels like I'm reading guesswork and not, the character that's, that's been existing that people want to read more of. And because it's being drawn in such dramatic extremes, my reaction is going to be equally extreme in, in how dramatic it is because I want her to shut up and stop and act her age. And, you know, it, because I, I make this part of it feels as though like, like she's 
like, and I, and I wrote about this, like, why, why are they Batgirls? You know, it feels like the sort of like reason for being is not really kept in check. And it's more along the lines of, I'm hanging out with my best friend. It's, it's a lot of fun. And that's nice once in a while, but when you're kind of like yelling about it every issue, it feels as though it's it's less of a reason for me to take, take seriously. And so it's a real conflicting reading experience because I can enjoy it as it is, but a lot of times the the writing kind of just screams, it's a fun book, it's a fun book featuring girl superheroes and stuff. And that fun is being hampered by not delivering on it, kind of just like telling and not showing in how the writing artwork kind of communicates towards the reader as sort of being a fun, energetic thing. Featuring characters that, that have a lot more substance to them than, than simply that. Yeah, I mean, Brian Q. Miller's run was also fun, but there were stakes attached to it. So I don't, I don't know if we're like missing the stakes or when the stakes are there, as Ian, I think, pointed out, once we actually address them, now all of a sudden they're like, they're actually not very high. They're kind of low. And so we easily take them down. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Have you ever read Strangers in Paradise? Too long ago for me okay. to, 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 to be reliable for that book. That but okay. I, I have, but like a long time ago. I, there's a character, Casey. I cannot remember her last name, but super duper ditzy and over the top. And this is like, even just looking at Steph, I'm like, she kind of reminds me of Stacy. We just need a Tamby there, I guess, to be with her. I am happy to see Kyle. I, I wonder how many people understand the reference. I do sure. wonder why uh, he's coming from Gotham Academy. I didn't find, because Brendan Fletcher had Instagrammed out, I don't know if that's a proper verb, that Gotham Academy was returning, but I couldn't find it where it was supposed to be. But did you find it? No, I remember you referencing that, though. How old was he again, Kyle? Well, he was still in high school, definitely older than Maps. And yeah, I was dating all of that at the time. Uh, however many years ago was that? I feel like it was 16 or 17. Yeah, that that, that, that tracks. I mean... Um, and I don't know. Aren't the, are these girls outside of high school? I remember James Tinian saying that, that Cassandra was like, 15 years old, which is definitely de-aging oh. her from the original comics, okay. but like, uh, I would imagine, because I remember there was a controversial, was a controversial interview with Becky Clunan where she intimated that they were like children's age, and everyone was like, oh. you can't say that, because like when they reintroduced Tim and Steph in Detective Comics, they were getting pretty hot and heavy for uh, verifiably kids. So yeah. I think that like the safe bet was that they're, they're like between 16 and 18 years old. Okay, so we should have some school scenes then after summer vacation then, possibly. Barbara will go with her transcripts to the high school, maybe. Anyways, it is nice to see Kyle. I guess maybe we can begin shipping, shipping them, maybe. I, I don't know what'll happen. Do you? Yes. What if he, what if Stephanie is all goo goo gaga for him, but what if he ends up falling for Cassandra? <gasps> How racist of you. You paired the two Asians <laughs> together. How racist. You? I, never, I, I, I didn't say anything about their race. I was, because like Cassandra's right there. Yeah, she and Cassandra's is. awesome. Yeah. So, like, that's 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 a that's a possibility. Well, I, I didn't say he should stick with his own car. <laughs> no, I just I feel like that's always a cliche that they always let's pair the like people together. So I hope not for that reason. But uh, it seems like I mean that's one of those little you know like oh kind of thing, and then it turns out to be a romantic comedy that you, you run into someone like this. So I, like maybe, I like him too. I, I, I like that. Like, uh, sorry, but um, 
Now, he's a he's a returning character. Mm-hmm. He's a comparable age. Yeah. If Tim Drake's going to be like you know out with um, another previous character, then there's no reason why Steph can't find somebody else. Yes, and you know we could have a developed love triangle if Cass does develop. Maybe she has some jealousy and she has to work through what this means. Is it jealousy for a friend or something more? Mm-hmm. I don't understand the Richard the Third. How is there an I involved? Okay. I just wondered if you understood what that was. Okay. Moving on. Oh, 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 oh. oh. Sorry, sorry, one more time. But but to answer that, there's that panel where she goes, Richard, I, I, I. Oh. It's it's funny because Steph's stupid. Okay. I see. It's very disappointing to read. <laughs> it is disappointing to read. Let us assume her intelligence instead of, yeah. I do like that Babs is going the high road. It's It was great how last episode is all about the ethics of her technology use. And now she's decided not to do this. Do you have any thoughts on this rooftop chat between Montoya and Backroll? Was it surprising that Montoya knows Backroll and Oracle are the same? That was shocking to me. I don't know if that was shocking to you, but just kind of that Montoya wants to start GCPD off on a different foot than than Jim Gordon had it. I think I remember. I think last episode or last month you said when was Montoya commissioner, mm-hmm. and that was during Tenyon's run because I don't I don't know when Gordon retired. I know that by like, that when the Joker series started, Gordon was retired. I don't remember an inciting incident when he did. Like, I don't remember if it was during Tom King's runs or whatever. But when J- James Cena was heading the Bat Books, uh, Renee Montoya became commissioner. A lot of people really hate that because fans online say that if you read Gotham Central, where, as you remember, that culminates in um, Renee, who just completely broke down, quitting the GCPD. And that led to 52 with her becoming the question. So, her not only being a cop again, but her being the commissioner is seen as a real out-of-character progression. And you can also see, because I'm reviewing on the Batman universe, I Am Batman, where Jace Fox, uh, Lucius Fox's son, is being Batman. And currently in those books, Renee, as the question, is visiting him in New York. And she's also being offered a job as commissioner for the NYPD. And people are pretty mad at the sort of insistence that, like, you know, well, if Jim Gordon's off the table, then our top cop of, of the Bat Books or the DC Comics is Renee Montoya. What do you think about that? Do you think that, like, you can see her returning? Do you think that, like, she's been retconned? Do you think that, like, it's just a case of them not knowing the history? Well, I think if we consider that, you know, a trauma, I think it shows her working through that and coming back from it stronger. I, I frankly love the fact that we have two lesbian characters in positions of authority in these current bat books. Cause Maggie, Maggie is over there in a high ranking position oh, yeah. in, in Nightwing. So, uh, and both of them having um, dated Batwoman, which could be for an awkward sort of rooftop. Oh my act. goodness. That's true. <laughs> So oh let's hope Kate God. stays away. I know that she's kind of a Nightwing, but I love the the lens of it. You know how it looks having her be in in a position of authority. I I think that it is a development of a character that makes sense. Obviously, it's it's a long road for her to get back here, and I like that she's starting off on a on a different foot than her predecessor. And she lays down the law of like, this is, you know, I understand that this was working here, but this is not how I'm going to going to do it. So I won't help. But I'll turn a blind eye. So I personally enjoy it. But what what do you think? 
I think that like the naysayers online, which is a very charitable way for me to say it, have a point. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I've been reading these comics pretty consistently since the King Run, because the King Run, I ultimately didn't love it, but it was better than the New 52 stuff. Which, I, I mean, even Scott Snyder, I mean, I, I liked it, but I didn't think I got kind of tired of the whole aesthetic of it. I don't really remember any lead up to her kind of becoming in the, back in the cop fold. Hell, I actually remember back in the New 52 when she was like presumed to be dead or disappeared. Remember that, that image of her on like the like the police wall in the issue of Batwoman? Yep. So that was that was an interesting thing. I think that I think that it, it, I'm I'm of two minds. On the one hand, I would like a story that really focuses on Montoya's point of view. She's gone through a lot, and Gotham Central should absolutely be kept in continuity because that that is an essential piece of work that DC should be very proud of. On the other hand, I think there's a lot of really young politically activated readers that kind of just recite a cab whenever there is a representation of the police that is neutral positive in a way that i find to be very uncritical and i've written you won't be able to find it anywhere but i've written an article about police corruption in, in dc comics we've talked about police on question of answers so this is not me discussing a topic that i am like you know largely uninterested and unfamiliar with and I especially enjoy John Ridley's the other uh, DC, the other history of the DC universe, which focus on Renee. That being said, there actually were some continuity liberties he took with that Renee Montoya issue. Uh, for instance, apparently she had this this contempt for the Batman family, which is very very different than the actual character from if you read those issues. So it's complicated. I because because like, like, th- these are the same people that are, that were like mad that when the Batgirl movie was happening. They were adapting the Batgirl Year One plot of Barbara trying to become a policewoman. And they're like, Barbara Gordon would never do that. And it's like, oh, okay, but like, yes, she would because her father's a cop. And, you know, if you read the comics, that's what she wanted to be. So I don't like it. To me, a lot of the criticism feels loud and, and unthorough to the point where I'm dissatisfied with the discourse kind of being loud and, and unhelpful. On the other hand, I do see a rather sort of like, like, I don't know, flyby kind of writing with Montoya. Like, oh, Montoya being commissioner, that's a fun idea. But there's a lot of character to kind of unpack with that. Mm-hmm. I like this scene between her and Batgirl. I like that she knows that Oracle was Batgirl. Although, honestly, Montoya wouldn't have been in Gotham City when Oracle, when Barbara was Batgirl. I mean, she kind of arrived when Tim was Robin. So, but whatever. I think it's an interesting scene. And I, and I like the fact that she wants to be different than Gordon. But this scene does kind of make me think about the current discourse with it. And I'm having a hard time coming up with a unique opinion of it because there's been so much online. And I say that I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to say as though there's been so much discussion, but I've seen a lot of it just because of like my mutuals and stuff. And I've not figured out how I feel about it to feel about this scene. But I think overall I do like it because it's a cool scene. It's a cool scene yeah. of honestly, anytime Barbara Gordon interacts with the police because it's such a different relationship that she would have than then with Batman. Just because of like she has to Barbara has to have a different opinion of the police than than any other person just because of her family. And I think that automatically makes it interesting. So I so I like it, but there's a big asterisk because there is some complicated issues going into the optics of Montoya as commissioner that I just I, I really don't know how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, neither neither positive nor negative, but it, it's so it's an ongoing thread. But I think for right now, I, I definitely think I like the scene. And I don't think this book necessarily is the book to get into that discussion, anyways. 
where yeah, else that, that's is, that's yeah. Kind of seems like it's a Batman. What? Where else is she appearing? Uh, I am Batman, which is Jace, oh, Fo- okay. Jace Fox's. Book. Okay, so that that's where to have that discussion, and maybe we just get at it here. But yeah, because obviously there's a lot. It's it's heavy with the implications of of her being commissioner. I like it. I I think you're right though that it does need to be explained, and I think Barbara approaches her as an equal, whereas. I think it takes kind of time. Like Batman would come and demand something and Barbara here is asking. So I, I do like those right. sorts of things. There was something else I was going to say when you were speaking, but now I've forgotten. I don't know. Personal she style, had a haircut. But yeah. She did have a haircut. Yeah. I like her style. They gave her some <laughs> hips, it seems like. Look at that. She reminds me of the policewoman from Spider-Man. Oh. Uh, specifically the game. Watanabe, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Spider-Man's BFFs. Okay. So we'll move on from there. Let's hope Batwoman does not appear in this book because it'll be really awkward. This fight, I I think that this gets to, because even when I was reading it, I was thinking what Ian Miller was actually saying. Number one, I'm surprised they don't know who Hormoth is. That was disappointing for me, but I guess this isn't the the cast where she has studied the be- the files of all the the people. This is not that Cassandra, but the fact that he has to say who he is is very interesting. And then just I guess how they behave and how this fight goes down seems crazy. Now it is a flying enemy versus two people who only have grappling guns and they are able to get some hits in. But I just feel like, man, are they like, they just seem like they mess up more than they should mess up. And then you have these, you know, wide eyed glances of like, whoops, now we're tied up and we're falling down and all of that. I mean, what what do you think about this fight with Killer Moth, if we can call it that? Cassandra Kane should like take down anybody that she goes up against <laughs> physically, uh, which isn't which isn't me saying that she should like just like double jumped and knocked him out. But I think the aerial battle is like the best excuse they can muster. Like, like she misses him at one point. That, that that should not happen. I mean, and I feel that people are forgetting that. Oh, Cassandra Kane, she loves to fight. She's one of the best fighters in the DC universe. Like she's nigh unbeatable. And I know that like that kind of robs you of drama, which which is what the original series always try to kind of approach in terms of like other ways to give her conflict. But if we're gonna have an action sequence and like, Oh, the bad guy got away. It should be a really convincing reason. And I can almost buy it, but like she kicks him in, like he like flies away anyway. It's like, she should have like broken his jaw. And I'm, and I'm not trying to be like a fanboy. I'm, I'm saying these are the characters that we're working with. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just two young girls who were background. I mean, like Cassandra Kane is a, is, is very, very different. She's not just a chicken, a cape. So that's kind of my thought. I actually like the idea that like Stefan Cast are fighting Killer Moth. I mean that that feels very like a uh, uh, legacy detailed. I don't know, like 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 that's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. And like you know, like like, like Barbara should be like, Killer Moth. All right, let me give you the deets on him. But like you know, uh, I know. That doesn't yeah, I mean, I yeah, nostalgia, and of course, I love Killer Moth, so it's great to see him. But it's just interesting. It takes two back rolls, and they can't take him down. Whereas Barbara Gordon, her first outing, jokingly as back roll, she takes him down. So if you think about it that way, and these two girls have been through a lot. I also don't understand what's up with removing, am I going the wrong way? The masks in public frequently. They do that a lot. I don't get it. I do not get it. There's something about the, the Cassandra Kane background costume that it's a cool costume. I mean, I think I'm used to the, the, the kind of white eyes. It feels very gorillas. <laughs> like between uh, two, I don't know if you listen to gorillas, but like uh, the character 2D. 
has like black blank eyes and like lately he's had white eyes for some reason I don't, i'm not that mad about that but like um i know there's a there's a two-parter where like they were just they were just yes toby mcguiring it oh yeah <laughs> with with a perp tied up behind them that was yeah, the other previous arc okay yeah. um of course shameless shameless objectification here do you like this conversation? I will say the mug is funny. Run CMD because that's a command button. I thought that was like one of the nerdiest things I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, do you like the relationship in here and the fact that they catch up? But he also asks how her her back is doing, and and then there's some grammar and then flirtation, etc. I, mean, I thought it was like endearingly corny. I wasn't seduced by this this oh. this thing, but I I thought it was you know. I thought they were very comfortable with each other. And I thought it was. I thought it was good. I liked. I liked it. We don't really see a lot of like like uh, sexy scenes between Dick and Babs because I feel that like DC has a very kind of like certain opinion about Dick and Babs that like they don't really indulge in that a lot. And I feel that like Becky Cloonan likes the idea of Dick and Babs together, so she kind of puts that in there, which is nice. I think I like the idea. I, I like that he's like, "Oh, so how's your back?" Because he doesn't want to hurt. Her. Yeah, no, no. The whole the whole grammar thing. I mean, it's not really. It's not. That scene from No Man's Land where she was shaving him and they start making out, which I, which I find to be genuinely sexy and hot, but you know it's it's it, it's it's fine. Uh, I saw people like just, I I think people are like also like you know again kind of salty Stephen Cast fans, which I'd like to be, but like oh why it's like this book is turning into a Dick and Babs book. We already have that in Nightwing. It's like yeah whatever. I mean like it's it, to me it's continuity. Like if they're going to be together in Nightwing, then. Yeah, they sh- he should show up with she is elsewhere. So it's, it's, it's and it was only a couple pages. Yeah, I, re- I really, I mean, I really don't. Yeah, like in the next page, you have like you know Stephanie with the Joker face. So it's like there she there's th- there's worse things. Because she got some digits. See, Kyle gave her her number, not Cass. Okay, uh, Fido is back. I just wanted to mention that. I can't remember where. Oh, he's right there. I've w- been wondering. Steph knows who Alicia is, which was a little startling. And also, Alicia yeah. knows about Bab's life. Now, I might just be blocking things out, but does this track? Did Barbara reveal? So, what do you? Lo- what do you? I was, I was wondering that too. Which, what are you looking at to to to, to note that? To make okay, that she says, I loved how you took that creep Dante out. Which I guess would have been Batgirl. Bat. She had yet to change when she arrived at his door, but then when she was kidnapped, I think she like he probably put her in the costume so she ended up doing that and then now she's saying then babs is actually saying well we've been trying to crack this hill ripper case but keep running to roadblocks and it's annoying and then alicia says i was just listening to the new times of grace episode grace did a great job of laying out the timeline which i guess you could go either way but it seems like alicia does in fact no. And then why wouldn't Alicia ask, what sort of anonymous message do you want to pass to Grace? Yeah. I, Steph goes all about the cipher. And then isn't the riddle habit like Babs is saying this out loud with Alicia there? Yeah. No, no, no. I don't, I don't disagree with you. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure. But because like there was that there was that pride story where it seemed like Alicia knew, but like it, it seemed like like she didn't let on to Barbara that she knew. It wasn't. It wasn't a huge thing. Mm. So, just don't know when this uh, would have happened. Am I forgetting yeah. something in Gil Simone's room? I have no idea. I, 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 I feel that like I really don't want this to be like a presumption that they just kind of put in here without any evidence. This, but I would. I feel like I would have known about this beforehand. 
Because I feel like Barbara, I mean, when we're talking about secret identities, which, you know, we have in Nightwing we did today, in Cassandra Kane's book we did, Barbara hasn't shared, I feel like the number of people who know her secret identity are the are people who have secret identities themselves. So I think I mean, that I would remember if Alicia knew, but for some reason... Either we've not been told this and this is new information or I've forgotten. You know, this is actually kind of a problem because, like, they should have at least, like, because there's a lot of editor's notes in this, I feel. <laughs> and the purple like, boxes. Don't forget those. Yeah. Like, oh, see, background number six. There's not an editor's note about who Kyle Mizuguchi is. Oh, like, true. They could have done, a, like, you know, check out Gotham Academy to to see him. Yep. And, like, all these references, it's like, oh, Alicia found out Batgirl. Because, like, Alicia's not, because, like, didn't she meet? Barbara, like in a previous issue, and they weren't talking about this, or was that another comic? Yeah, they met because Alicia has a cafe now, and she was just talking about. I mean, the only personal thing they got into is like how Barbara's mobility was. Was that the last issue? Yes. Well, it's weird that like that like there's this huge "Hey, it's you" scene when they just saw each other. Well, we're really we're pouring on the Alicia because of the Batgirl film. Oh, that's true. That's that's but, my guess. That's my. Guess. But still, she still appeared the last issue. It's not like she, she didn't. Did, yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm happy to see her. Yeah. Like, uh, honestly, but like, I don't like the idea that. I mean, it, it, she, she can learn who Barbara, Barbara is. Whatever. Uh, it was always going to happen. I do not like the idea that, like, oh, she knows, and we're being like, there's such a there's such a there's such a casual, consequenceless nature to this comic. That's that's. I feel a lot of goodwill behind it, but I don't feel a lot of discipline. And that's annoying because I kind of want to count it and like, you know, okay, yeah, this is it. like, okay. Like, like, um, I know I was pretty mean about it earlier this year, but like, you know, I, I did really like the Burnside back row run and I never felt that like, or I don't remember feeling as though that run did things like this where we're having fun. This is a lighthearted comic. So we're going to kind of, you know, be fast and loose with these certain parameters. No, not really. Where this, it feels like, you know, Steph and Cass are throwing their masks off all over the place. Steph is just like, you know, on caffeine a lot. We don't know whether who knows her identity or whatever. It's, it, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it just, it, I just, the only time I feel the, the editor on this book is when the editor is like breaking the fourth wall and talking, not, you know, let's keep in line with the comic and the other kind of books. That's, that's, that's annoying. Which is weird because I, I actually enjoyed this comic, this issue. But all, all I've been doing is like kind of complaining. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess this is the nature of the show, unfortunately. And I will say that two out of two interactions between Babs and Alicia, Babs again neglects to ask, how's your wife? How's your wife? I um, I, I honestly think people have forgotten about Joe. What was Joe last mentioned? Was, was Joe mentioned in the Pride special? I forget. I have no idea. Last time I can she think of it was been. at the uh, the wedding. She- she must have been no she was i, I know before this before the burnside run ended she was referenced um well who wrote the pride issue with that was i know that that was that was jadzi uh forget her last name okay so someone um, remembers who she is final question i guess are you okay with the riddler we not only have a you know killer moth classic back role villain i feel like but riddler how do you feel about him potentially being in this book are we positive that's a Riddler? And I, again, I'm with you. I'm not like saying it's not because 
the transition is a riddle habit. Yeah. And there's a guy who who does look awfully a lot like Edward Nygma. Mm-hmm. And there's a, this green sheen. So yeah. it very much is. But like, what's this Mr. Fun thing? Okay. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused. So like, I feel like it's visually coded for the Riddler. Yeah. But I feel that if it was, I feel like, you know, they would typically lay it on thicker. Like there's not a, there's not a question mark in sight. So I'm kind of just using my own sort of like, you know, comic book visual training to anticipate that. But maybe just, you know, like that kind of like Frank Gorshin haircut and the green color everywhere is all we kind of, they kind of want to put across to us. Yeah. We could be catfished. Who knows? Any other thoughts on this issue? And I guess to answer that question, I, I kind of wish, I don't know, they keep Batman villains out of here. But here we are. I kind of just want, you know, the back rolls to have their own villains. Well, there's 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 a tradition, I think, of of giving the sidekicks like not the heavy hitters. Oh, they, there's the back row fought the Mad Hatter. Oh, there's Firefly. Or it's Kelly Moth. Like like she's not. They're not going to go up against like Two Face or the Joker or uh, something that would threaten the city in a huge way. So it always feels like they're going to be given like you know like the B squad of villains. Riddler is an A lister. But he's also a character with a personality kind of be stupid enough to like, like I, I can see him I can see this Stephanie beat up the Riddler, um, even though like like that doesn't make any real sense. So he's a he's kinda he's kinda totally flexible like, the penguin too. So um my comment is that like I don't mind seeing the Riddler. I see what you're saying, like you kinda want their own villains, but I think that would kind of require really setting aside this book as more than just candy uh, cotton candy flavored popcorn mm. it feels like it's not really there to like you know further the the, Bat- the batman family universe it's just kind of just be there to, to kind of you know be a fun comic for young readers gotcha well final thoughts and then rating out of 10 cup nudes yeah just, like i said it's weird because i've been i've just been kind of talking about what people don't like about this book and been critical but aside from stephanie brown i like the art i like alicia's appearance mm-hmm I like how Cass is done. That shot where, where, where Cass is pointing off at the flying um, killer moth on the steps. I like that quite a bit. I think it's cool. I like, you know, bringing Kyle uh, Mizuguchi in there. I actually like the idea that, like, you know, this sort of romantic possibility between him and Stephanie. Um, I like, ostensibly, the scene between uh, Barbara and Commissioner Montoya. I like killer moth. You know, I actually like this issue. I feel that, like, I've been kind of criticizing the series as a whole and the, the, the kind of, like, uh, continuing elements of it but in and of itself i think this is a decent comic book com this is this decent comic book story it's just well we follow these characters for so long this is how we feel about how they're being represented like spider-man the mcu but on its own it works fine it's just tough to to reconcile as a certain fan of a certain character it's the second time you gave me a pointed look while saying spider-man the mcu come on now it's been nice we've been congenial to each other let's not get into it I wasn't trying to do anything. I was just trying to make a point. <laughs> no, I, I agree right. with you. Our history can sometimes cause trouble. Also, somebody's skin is pink. Like, oh, do you notice blushing. that? I, I'm, I'm looking at the, the image where she is uh, looking at the cipher, and she is like bubblegum pink. Say That's all they had in there, in their color pencils. Uh, I think so. Did you give it a rating out of ten cup nudes? I'm sorry. I would give this a yeah. I, I, I'll give this a seven. A seven. Okay. I think I might keep with the with. Uh, maybe I liked it a little bit less than last issue, so maybe I'll say seven point five out of ten. I yeah. I don't. I don't know if I necessarily have anything to to add to you. 
But I mean, hopefully we're being, I mean, my, my hope is that I'm being fair, even though I do have the history and, and I might criticize, but to also see this as it is in, in terms of its own entity apart, maybe from history, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if that's authorial intent. So yeah, I guess we'll see. Right. So now, well, we now might have a shipper. So we'll see what happens. Okay. So we're winding down. What is your recommendation? Have you been reading any books? Have you read a book that was given to you about four to five years ago by myself called The Power by Naomi Alderman? I have not finished it. Okay. Are you past page five where you were? I'm on like chapter three. Wow. Okay. So steady strides. Have you been reading anything? Nothing I can recommend, to be honest. Okay. That's okay. Donovan keeps telling me that I should move down to Tennessee and work at Barnes and Noble with him and the crew and that I'll just live large down there. So maybe one day, maybe one day. Okay. Well, I, as usual, I can't remember what I last mentioned. Um, I think I talked about hooked how crafting saved my life by Sutton Foster. I read that or listened to it on book on tape because Sutton Foster reads it. And then one of our Thursdays is missing by Jasper Ford, which I think is the, the fifth of those. And then I read the last two of the prequel trilogy of um, Thrawn Ascendancy. It was Greater Good and Lesser Evil. I like Lesser Evil a bit more than Greater Good. I was getting a bit bored. Then I read Pet Cemetery by Stephen King because Tom and I, that's coming out in October. We did that for required reading. I didn't care for it as much. I went in the expectations that I had were that it was going to be a horror novel and it was more so human condition novel. So I would say don't go in with any expectations. Don't think that it's going to be shining or it or something like that. Just start reading. And then I also read the final girl support group by Grady Hendrix, which is really interesting. Just about all these girls who have outlasted these terrible people kind of based off of like Halloween and Friday the 13th, all of that. And then someone starts going after the final girls. And what I mentioned at the top where I said it kind of assigned whiteness to my characters is a book called She Gets the Girl co-written by Rachel Lippincott and Allison Derrick, a YA. I feel like it is, it's very sweet. I'm nearly finished, but it's basically about how one girl is helping another girl get her dream girl. And in order to prove that she's a good person for her girlfriend, but inevitably these two people start falling for each other. And I was reading the back jacket and these co-authors like both went to Pennsylvanian universities. I can't remember the same ones, but then, so there are blurbs for individually. And then the final one was like, they live with their dog. I'm like, these two people, probably this is their life story where they got together. So I thought that was very sweet co-authors being partners as well. Okay. I will actually. I'm sorry. Just leave the game. <laughs> I will work. I will have a. It will be very brief, because um, you don't read it, and you know. I don't know if you've ever recommended it. The Batman Family webtoons. Um, yes, many people have told me to read it. You really should. I mean, come on. It's, it's, <laughs> Does it's, Batman it's, fire people every week? No, he's he, he's like warm and cuddly. Whoa! Like he gives inspiring speeches, and he you know he like gives hugs and kisses, and like uh, there's like about. There's a there's plenty. I think the only time he's, he's, he's like upset is like when, when he and Superman like don't know how to tie a tie, and Alfred's like not there. But like there's a lot of special spotlight issues on every member of the Bat Family 
from Nightwing to Oracle to the Signal to Cassandra to Stephanie to Jason to Tim Harper? to Damien. I think she does appear. She's not appears okay. consistently. Harper and Kate appear, but like uh, the active members of that family um, are featured, and that that series never missed. It was wonderful, and it's just it's it's great, and people should check it out. Thank you, Donovan. Thanks for forcing yourself upon me and my show. Would I'm returning you- the favor from the last episode of Kino A. Hey, I come up with good episode ideas. Do you want to tell people where they can find and support you? You can find me on Twitter at DonoDMG1. You can support me on DC Infinite where or, or the DC Universe or DCComics.com where I write articles, including a couple of times for Batman Day. I am also the co-host for Questions We Don't Have Answers with Harris Chute on KeenoAnswers.com. I also uh, review Nightwing and I Am Batman on the BatmanUniverse.com, BatmanUniverse.net, sorry. And I am on the infrequent comic book podcast, uh, Comic Timing, which comes out like every like once every six months, where me and a bunch of other uh, uh, comic book podcasters, basically from New York, uh, kind of like round up the, the major news. It's a good show whenever we do it. And as I've referenced, I also am a kind of a contributor, uh, whenever the call is for, with my friends on EarthU.net. I wouldn't say as regularly, but um, uh, this sort of like reference Spider-Man uh, film. Uh, we're set to record on that on Saturday, so be able to look out for that. Okay. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Send it was me a pleasure. all of your grammar and book thirst traps when you get a chance. I might have to. <laughs> It'll be hot. Yeah. Okay. Well, remember, you can send any questions or comments to backworldtheoracle at gmail.com. You can also email me if you want to criticize Donovan, and I'll forward it to him. Like the show on Facebook or follow it on Twitter at backworldtheoracle. Subscribe to the show on YouTube for an uncut version. As you can see, we can you can see Donovan's uh, ceiling fan at times. Follow the Batman Universe on Facebook and Twitter as well, and subscribe to the Batman Universe. Support the Batman universe by subscribing to Patreon. And once again, thanks to Mile High Comics for sponsoring Backroll the Oracle of the Barbara Gordon podcast. And until next time, <gasps> fight on, cast lovers. Yeah, fly on, Babs lovers and Bat Jerk Figures. Fire on, Batman. <laughs> Just plain Barbara Gordon masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you?